Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. At Chemist Warehouse at this Christmas, find David off hot water at 110ml for just $34.99. Baz Lizzie, we might be at the beach, but the show goes on. It's the summer breakfast on SENZ. Takeover at Summer Breakfast 2021, 2022. Baz is at the beach. We're still here. SENZ kicks through summer. The Cowboys are in studio. Tony Kemp, Louis Herman Watt. And we're here for the summer, uh, this week at least, before Ricardo and Mitch McLenahan dip their toes. Plenty of sport happening over the summer. We're not going anywhere. We've got the darts on one screen. We've got the ashes on the other. There's so much going on. The Wellington Phoenix played and lost last night. Joseph Parker fought and won yesterday. There's so much to get through. So, yeah, SCNZ, the main crew might be off. But the summer station is alive and well. Thank you for your time and welcome to the show this morning. Four minutes past six. I hope your Christmas shopping's done. I hope your hangover from your work Christmas party's done. And I hope you can nestle in for a big week of sport. What do we got coming up? We've got a huge show. We're going to dissect that Joseph Parker fight in many different ways. It was the sporting result of the weekend, if you ask me. So we'll get stuck into that after 7 o'clock. After 9 o'clock, we'll talk some boxing as well, because one of our greatest ever All Blacks, Kivy Mialami, well, he looks in some serious nick, and he's going to get stuck into the ring. Monty Beatham's up to his old tricks training him. Jamie Richards. Our preeminent and best horse trainer in New Zealand. 
Well, he leads the premiership, doesn't he? Second best. <laughs> Morning, Al. Uh, he's <laughs> Jamie Richards is on. Not too long after 8 o'clock. We've got plenty more to go as well. Fred de Jong, some Phoenix. We'll talk some cricket. It's all here. The Cowboys are in studio. Summer Breakfast 2021. Let's rip in. Yeah, you heard him. Second best. Well, he's the best. He's the, the first best summer co-host I could think of. Tony Kempton studio, mate. You're a big part of our show during the year. Baz and Izzy absolutely adored your hot takes and your willingness to come on and actually say something. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you in studio this morning and joining us this week. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's good to be here. And you've uh, you've rolled ZZ Tops out ten days too early for us. We actually that's our roadie song for the boys down home when we go around the mountain uh, on the 29th of the year every year. And uh, that song that you just played is uh, gets the. I gets Alan Shark gets it out and he, he cranks it up and starts singing along to it. So good to hear it, but a bit early in the he, morning. But I love ZZ Top. He could pull off a good ZZ Top. Oh mate, he well he could have about twenty years ago when he had some hair, um, but yeah, no, he, he does pull off a good ZZ Tots when he starts getting into it. He doesn't mind it. Don't worry about that. Has he has he been at the beach? Oh, mate, I don't think so. Maybe the lake. He might be down in Christchurch. Well, his his pool, the lake he built for himself on oh, his massive estate. Those All Blacks, they all got pools. <laughs> the, the lads are. Uh, it was awesome. We had a so we spoke to you on Friday, and you could have you could have sensed that there was a bit of fizz in the air. Yeah, it was a big go on Friday. It was good to have everyone here. Um, and uh, we got together and had a good send-off for the show. It's been interesting. I mean, just as an observationalist, Kempe, you've you've seen a lot of sports media come and go. SENZ, we started this year. We've had you involved with it. Um, how do you think we've gone? Yeah, look, I, I, I like it. Man, I like it. I like that you've, you've, got, um, you've got sport talk on the radio. That's the main thing. And... You know, when you're in your car, when you're growing up as a kid, you always had had sport talk happening in the background, and and Baz and Izzy know a little bit about sport too. So along with you guys that sit here, they you don't really see their faces, the the nerds behind the, the computers. <laughs> um, but you all know, you you know, I do know that the guys that are that are doing all the work are you guys, and um, Baz and Izzy, and they just take all the money and all the cre- cream from it, mate. That's all. But great to have it back on. You know, you've got everyone in New Zealand at the moment. All the farmers are up. Yeah, Alan's at the racetrack, got sends on the radio, you know, um, people driving to work and being able to hear what people have got to say and have their opinions about sport. It gets, really gets your blood going in the morning. You talk, every red-blooded male in New Zealand loves listening to sport. Oh, fair dinkum. That's exactly right, mate. We do. It's um, it's in our DNA. No, it's, that's good to hear, Tony, and it's great to have you here. It's a funny time of year, this one. Uh, 20th of December, so the week leading into Christmas. This year, Christmas is bang on the weekend, Christmas for me, uh, Tony, is Boxing Day Eve because the Boxing Day races and the Boxing Day cricket have been what I've I've grown up on. But I do understand this is a, a very it's an exciting time of year for people with kids. They get right into it. And this week leading into Christmas, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would have knocked off for the year. And I'm sure there's also a lot of people that are on their way to work today, but fear enough know that they are going to sit there with their feet up on their desk and kind of take the piss with this week so I think they've been doing that for the last two years with this COVID thing and they've been sitting at home with their feet up on the desk um it was really interesting I was up the north yesterday just looking at some property up there and, and it was quite quiet there wasn't a lot of traffic on the road for this time of the year um did you have to go through those checkpoints went through the checkpoints are really really you know smooth easy quick we got through there didn't really stop um 
stop your travel time at all. Um, but you're right, you know, I, I forgot it, forgot that it was Christmas. I think I think that everyone been home for so many months. It's been Christmas all year. You know, holidays have rolled into each other and. Um, yeah, Christmas for me is a time for for Farno and and friends and you know. Um, when I was playing, it was it was the time you made money because you played Boxing Day and New Year's Day when you were in England, and there were big money games back in those days. And right. I, my son was born on the twenty eighth of December, and he was actually coming on Christmas Day. The um, my my partner at the time, she uh, she said, "Oh, I think he's coming." I said, "Oh, you're just going to have to hold on. It's a big payday tomorrow." So she held on for a couple more days. And he was born on the twenty eighth of December, so it's not only Christmas; it's his. You know, he gets he gets a double whammy. At it. It's his birthday as well. He gets a couple of presents that fella. That's um, that's a great yarn. So for uh, people that aren't acquainted with you, Tony, you're obviously a you're a voice now in, in rugby league, and you've been a coach, obviously a player back in the day. Can we actually just have the synopsis on your career? Can you give it to us? Oh yeah, I could give you an elevator, I could elevator pitch on my my <laughs> yeah. football career. Yeah, I'd um, love to hear it. It was a you know, 13, 14 year professional football career, and I've. I, um, I grew up in Waitara, you know, went to the Waitara University, uh, which was the freezing works, the Borthwicks, which every every young kid in Waitara went to. Sure. That was our dream, was to go work where our fathers worked. Um, it was called Borthwicks back in those days, and, and um, I could play footy, mate. So I, when I was 17, I moved to Wellington, and Newcastle came over, and they, they wanted to sign Sam Stewart, big Sam Stewart, the inaugural captain for the Knights back in the day. Um, and I knew they were coming, so, you know, threw some liniment on my legs and I had an absolute shock of that night we were playing eastern suburbs at the Hut Wreck I tried to chip over Fetu Henry's head he's about 6 foot 6 when he's standing up but when he throws his hands in the air he's 8 foot tall and it goes over the head of any normal bloke but he put his hands up in the air caught it and scored in the corner and I thought that was my career gone um, but they they signed, they signed Sammy and they said we want the that, that idiot out on the wing too that tries things and that was me and that's how I got to got to New, Newcastle, and I ended up staying there for six, seven years. And I thought I was going to live there. You know, I love the place, still love it today. Got some great friends up there, and um, things didn't work out with a change of coach and David Waite. You know, he saw he saw my future somewhere else, and I was you know playing five eight for the Kiwis then. And uh, John Joyner, great legend up in England, played for England and was coaching Castleford at the time. Tower to phone me and told Anika and and Richie Blackmore were playing at Castleford at the time. He said, "Do you want to come play for us?" and I, I just wanted to play five eight, mate. So headed up there, and that was probably my best two years I, I ever enjoyed playing football at Castleford. Um, but spent another seven eight years up there, played for Leeds, and ended up coaching Wakefield before I came back to the Warriors. Mm. And you know, people are always on about my shit coaching career, um, but we actually had a decent crack at it there. We went to <laughs> we went to a grand final and went to the finals three times, and um, actually gave Ivan his his leg up into such a fantastic career. I'm still waiting to get a, a thank you card from Ivan. Um, and yeah, and been in rugby league ever since. I, you know, work with Jim Doyle at the New Zealand Rugby League, and um, sit on the Auckland Rugby League. And of course, where we came into work today. Yeah, is yeah. This I found this interesting, and I hadn't even crossed my mind. We are actually on the we're on the graveyard of Carlaw Park. We were doing oh, this yeah, radio show. I, I hate to think of it as a graveyard. It's a, it's a graveyard for a lot of teams that come here. You yeah. know what I mean? It, well, it's a fantastic. Um, they they missed the boat, you know, like and creating a stadium. It would have been a great great spot for a stadium. But, um, but the stories you hear and the the footage you can see and the books you read about it, I'd never never obviously had the luck and and have the privilege. But apparently, well, spiritual, really, almost like the spiritual home. Well, they talk they talk about the Caxton 
pub, you know, where where the New South Wales and Queensland buses drive past to get to to Lang the old Lang Park, mm-hmm. um, Suncorp Stadium, they call it these days. Well, it was pretty much the same here at Carlow Park. Like the Kiwis, we'd come out from you know we, back those days. We weren't staying in the Sofitel in the middle of town, mate. We were at Onihunga over at the Po in the shore. Um, but you'd get here down to the, the set of lights, and the, it was just packed with people. You know, the bus would have to crawl through people, and everyone's banging on, banging on the bus. So by the time you hopped out of the bus, you know, you you're ready to jump on that field and, and kill people. And the other good thing about Carlow Park back in those days too is you walked past the change room, and the people could poke their heads in and talk to you. Right. In the window, so you know, the old <laughs> railway stand um, where you went in and got changed, you were sitting down, and at half time it was pretty hard to concentrate because people, all the fans were going past and giving you, giving you tips on the game, throwing their heads and and through the head, but. Yeah, look, it's really, it, it, although it's sad to, to see it, um, it's actually run by the Carlow Park Heritage Trust now, which is arguably the, the richest um, amateur amateur organisation in the South, Southern um, Pacific, South Pacific, definitely, that look after the 30 clubs in Auckland. So yeah, right. although they sold the, the, the park, um, all these buildings and the university leases and all that go back to, to helping the game of rugby league in, in Auckland. Um but yeah, it was real sad when we walked around the corner this morning. I said, man, you know, I played on that ground over there and yeah. just brought back memories. Um, you sort of forget about it. You know, I drive, I drive past this place quite a lot and you sort of forget about it. But when you're walking down here, those pictures I can see in my, 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 um, my memory about the cars on the, on the side of the field and the two fields yeah. and the, the stands were packed, mate. And it, and it was a lot like the English field too, Carnal Park. They were right down on the field. Um, the fans, so, so right next to you. I miss, I miss it. I uh, double eight double three or oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven on the Kennard's high phone line. What are your memories of Carlaw Park? Because I don't have any, unfortunately. Tony's obviously got more than a few. Um, what are yours? I bet you've been here, and you're right. It's actually quite spooky when you. So during lockdown, there's been no one out and about. I just live around the corner in Parnell, so come for walks down here and walking home from work. You you go up and you go through just to, to where you get into the domain out the back there and. There was no one here. They've got. They had an empty crash. They had a. There's a government department building in here. There was. There was no one here. Just empty. And you're kind of walking around and you, you Google up and you get the old map up of what it used to be and where the fields sit and the layout. And you're just thinking. It, that's why I said graveyard because it felt spooky. It was almost like. Well, there, and there would be too. There'd be some ashes spread around here. Um, <laughs> there'd be a few. Be a few spirits walking around with you this morning in their in their kiwi jerseys. I, I gather, but. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it, it was a great place. You know, people come. Well, you, when I, you know, from Taranaki, so I used to travel up here and watch games. Me and my dad would jump in a car on a Wednesday um, lunchtime to get up here for a game. You know, watch Winner Manly play Otahu here. Yeah. Wally Lewis, Gene Miles, Greg yeah. Dowling, um, Gary Belcher were all on that side, and and young, it's, young it's, Tia Rapati was in the Otahu side with Frank Tinatili. I remember, don't know if you remember that try school for the his one test in the Kiwis where he ran through about 50 people, you know. So um, those are the type of memories that, that I like to think about when I'm I'm thinking of Colour Park. Awesome. Double eight, double three. Give us yours. Uh, we'd love to hear from them throughout the morning. We'll keep asking you, don't worry. But uh, what are your memories of Carlow Park? So where we are, just for context, broadcasting in the, the TAB building is, yeah, pretty much about 50 metres from where you could score a try back in the day. Um Crazy, crazy stuff. It is 16 minutes past 6 o'clock. As I said, we've got heaps going on today. We've got Fred de Jong and Talks in Phoenix. Unfortunately, they couldn't get up over Sydney FC. Nolly Sale has limped off with a hip injury. So we're hoping that that won't be too bad. Fred de Jong, 
Um, well, he's a he's a great man. He's a Kimpy's a league man. Fred De Jong is a football man through and through, and and he knows a lot about the game. So he'll give us a tip about the Phoenix and also what's going on in the football world in New Zealand about seven forty. We're going to talk some boxing at seven o'clock. Double eight, double three on the Kennard's High phone line again. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Where are all you armchair? Boxing ring experts, we would love to hear from you after 7 o'clock on the Kennards Hire phone line. Did you see a different Joseph Parker yesterday? I certainly did. I was extremely impressed. Yeah, he might not have got Chisora out there, but let's not underestimate the fact that he is a walking war tank. you seen that movie with Brad Pitt, Tank? I reckon that's what they're driving. Derek Chisora. He's an absolute beast, and uh, to be honest, I hope he probably gives it up soon enough, because that can't be healthy, the punishment that that bloke took, Kempe. No, not at all, and, and you're right about Joseph Parker. You know, I saw him when he fought here, um, here in Auckland um, back in the early days, and you could see that the, he was filling out his body. He had a lot of growing to do into that body of his, and when he went out in the ring yesterday against Chisori, he, he looked like he's starting to fall out. Uh, you know, he's still still pretty young for a boxer, I think. I, I still think he's still developing that body, but I, I thought he didn't like he 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 stood up. He wasn't bullied. You know, his accuracy on his punches were fantastic. Um, but you know, for me, I I really would like to see that killer instinct come out a little bit more on him. You know, he he won that fight. You know, they're going on about the judges this morning. You know. You guys would be pretty good judges too. I reckon you'd, you'd be bought off easy enough. You too, if I was in the ring, I'd, I'd be offering you a couple of paper envelopes. Um, but maybe a couple of those judges Mate, got a couple of paper envelopes. You know a, what I mean? Just a honestly, I just like a bit slip. Just like a, I'm, I'm, I'm empty. I'm empty. I didn't back Seamus. I didn't. Hopefully, ba- you didn't back just ask me. I, I did back just ask me. Even worse, I also saved on Tavi Mac. And then the other Taranaki one, oh, Robbie no. Patterson. Robbie the track Patterson. got good, and Robbie P, Robbie Pat. But he has um, look, don't worry, Kempe. He's given us one on Wednesday. He tipped out on the mower on. He's got a very fast horse going around on Wednesday that we're going to have a field day off. They're racing at Pukekohe today, aren't they? That meet that was uh, abandoned or postponed. So there's a very exciting horse that we're going to talk about in the Love Racing update. Two dollars into a dollar seventy. Are you guys are sickos? I know what you've done. You've absolutely plunged it before we've had a chance. Time flies. The uh, Opie Bosson does the writing for this time test gelding who, you know, could come out and easily be the favourite for the Crack Million. Wolverine's a good filly, but this time flies has a wrap on it. And it's in race two at Pukekohe today. We'll talk more about that. We'll talk more about Joseph Parker. We're going to have to discuss the English. Joe Root going out, last ball of the day. Mitchell Stark nicks him off. They are in a world of hurt in this tour. And it's not even, the second test isn't even finished, so... Oh dear, Boxing Day might not be too fun if you're an English fan in Melbourne. Anyway, we'll discuss that. Heaps to come on the Summer Breakfast. Tony Kemp, Louis Herman, what we're here with Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. I miss you, Baz. Hope you're enjoying your sleeping this morning um, down in Queenstown with Liz. Up listening to us. What's that? They're up listening to us. Baz is texting me. Is he? Is he? They're saying, mate, you're you're sounding too good. Stop it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. (laughs) I guarantee you. They, uh, actually, you know, Baz is down in. He's down in Central. He's with the family. They're going on a little ticky tour. What did he keep calling it, lads? He was calling it a um, London bus tour. So <laughs> he's going around for one of these London bus tours, jet boating, all that stuff. Izzy's 100% probably sleeping. He's probably Izzy probably is in the pool house because I think I think for uh, there's a there's a good excuse and a good argument to be made that the pool house where Izzy broadcasts from is actually his safe space. I think he quite likes it out there. It's like his he's got his Xbox out there, his PlayStation, and I think he really enjoys it. Yeah. 
So Xbox. He's still playing on that, is he? Come on, Izzy. <laughs> he loves it, mate. Um, on Izzy, Quizzy Dag doesn't go away. So you can still win a $50 bonus bet uh, with the TAB if you tune in about 22. Just on Joseph Parker, you said something that interests me, um, Tony. You saw a different version of him, and he looked bigger. He was bigger. That's a fact. So he was heavier. But do you think the style of fight, he fought bigger as well? He looked like he was really using that weight. He was wearing Chisora down, which then meant that he could actually lay those combinations with the quick hands. Yeah, definitely, 100%. I think I think um, what I saw was a kid that wasn't being bullied, you know, even on the front foot when Chisora was coming um, towards him and he was pushing him away, you know, and he was tying him up and he wasn't being um, bullied by Chisora in any way, shape or form. And, you know, when I'm saying he looks bigger, he looks thicker. You know what I mean? He looks like he can handle a punch. Um, and when he's throwing them, obviously with the extra power behind them, some of those punches must have hurt. You know, Chisora, like you said, the tank taking so much punishment. I was, I thought he was going down in the seventh um, and probably finishing him off in the eighth or ninth. But he held on, and it just goes to show you, I, I really like the heavyweight um, division at the moment. There's so many good boxers out there in that heavyweight di- division. And for Joseph Parker to poke his head back up and say, hey, don't forget about me. I held, I held some belts, and I'm looking forward to a, another crack at a world title. I don't know what it, I don't know if Joseph Parker can box that good against a Tyson Fury, um, but I think now's his pathway. Now's his pathway to go back to that type of fight to to work. You know, I would have liked to seen this Joseph Parker get ready to box Anthony Joshua. I think he was he wasn't ready for Anthony Joshua back then. So in a way, he kind of had to go through. Well, it's not even in a way he had to go through that stuff to get to this point, right? You know, he's. I think it's easy to forget how young JP was when he came onto the scene and that fight, that title fight he got in twenty eighteen, was it against Anthony Joshua? Now, that's a long time ago. He's a young kid who he's got to the peak. I mean, I remember how big of a morning that was. The fight was a bit of a fizzer. Remember the referee didn't let him get on the inside and. It it was a it was pretty underwhelming the whole experience. But then he would have only been twenty six, twenty five. He's young. He might have a family. He's got he's got a full family going on. He's got his we tribe, these beautiful young daughters and stuff. But he's young. He's not even thirty. Yet. You know, he's he's got as you point out a whole heavyweight career ahead of him. A whole social media career ahead of him too. If you remember him doing all those those um, TikTok movies and yeah, he had yeah. an he had an acting career coming up. They were they were really good. Um but you're right, he was he's he was a baby um fighting in a in a man's in a man's league, you know what I mean? And I, that's what I mean about now. Like when I watched the boxing fight yesterday, I thought, now that's really what you want Joseph Parker to look like against a Chisora and so dominant and, and the other boxers are now looking at Joseph Parker going, Oh yeah, this kid this kid is actually growing up and I think he's he's still young. Um, young enough to, to to be a world-class boxer. I think the next ch- time he gets a chance at a world title, you know, we might see a different a different Joseph Parker. I, I think he, and do you know what? I, I think he is going to get another chance at a world title. He definitely will be. I mean, he's still right in the mix. He is still right there. And, and yesterday, yeah, he didn't get Chisora out, but there's no way he took a step backwards. In the ranks, I think um, the interesting thing is going to be that when it comes to it, does he fight Tyson Fury? The answer is yes, he will have to. But he's always said, I won't fight Tyson Fury. He's my brother. He's given me, I wouldn't get in the room. 100% because the payday will be huge and it's something he might have to do because I was reading yesterday, if Tyson Fury can't get this re- can't get this match with Dillian White signed and done, he's going to have to find a fight in the meantime. And there's a few guys 
but there's really only a couple. Andy Ruiz and Joseph Parker that might not have a natural next fight left. So if Tyson Fury and, and Joseph Parker, I'll just say it, don't be surprised to see it happen. Don't be surprised to see it happen in the next couple of years because it's so hard to line up. Everyone wants Joshua Fury. I understand that. Or everyone wants Wilder Joshua or you want the perfect or usage Fury. You know, you, it's so hard to line this stuff up. And, mm. and hopefully we can, we might ask Monty, he, he knows, he follows this stuff closely. It's so hard to get these guys in order looking at each other in the eye so they can actually even line up. And that's got to be probably a year out a lot of the time for these guys right at the top of the division. So don't be surprised to see Joseph in line to have to fight Tyson shortly. There's so much more we can talk about here. Double eight, double three. Did you see a different version of Joseph Parker yesterday? Or give us a call on the Kennard's High Phone Line, 0800 150811. It's uh, the 20th of December, so no doubt you're having a sleep in. You're taking your time to ease into it. But that's all right, because we're here till 10 o'clock and we stay all day. Just like Waisaki, the horse that is. It is 29 minutes away from 7 o'clock here on the summer breakfast. Some news with Trudes for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. On the other side, some love racing. Welcome back to the Summer Breakfast. It is 6.30 in the morning on the 20th of December. Uh, happy Christmas week. If you're a family with kids, they'll be fizzing at the bung for Santa. No doubt, not far away. Tell you what I'm fizzing at the bung for, and that is Boxing Day at Ellerslie. Uh, Kempe is involved with some racehorses. He's a breeder and an owner. I've, um, I'm Definitely a, a breeder. <laughs> I'm a chance to have a we filly racing at Boxing Day. Uh, if I get paid, are we a fraj? Might get a start in the two-year-old, the two-year-old race. Gee, okay. So that'll be exciting. Um, how many know. how many partners in that horse? Lots. Yeah. Oh, partners. Yeah. Oh, they will want to be there if it wins. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, but um, I don't know that if they know how. <laughs> I'm sure there's a few lads in there that uh, it might not necessarily be on the books, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, um, we might have a going round. She was meant to go around at Pukekohe when it was abandoned, but yeah, that day, far too, far too wet. So today they're racing at Pukekohe. Love racing Z is your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Um, they're running this unbelievable promotion at the moment where you could go and get involved with ownership. Thoroughbred owners, grab your mates and enter to win at loveracing.nz slash share the thrill. The winning team will walk away with, get this, a 10% share in a Thoroughbred racehorse purchased at Karaka 2022. Training fees covered for two years. Travel to Auckland for a VIP experience at the Vodafone Derby and Karaka Yearling Sales. It's a great prize. That is. You, nothing like owning a horse, right? Well, nothing owning a free horse. That's what that is. That's, yeah, that's well, a great prize. Yeah. You know, you got no, you got no training bills. You got, you got nothing there. You get a ten percent. You get ten percent of possibly the next cracker champion. How many do you have? Oh shit! That's a that's a wonderful question. That's a wonderful question. I, uh, she's got a couple of broodmares in Often and Cinerama. Um, so Cinerama will probably take over Often. That's what Alan's saying there. And obviously, just ask me. Um, running around at the moment with a, we've got a, 
another good couple of um, young'uns coming up. So, yeah. And so did you – so you have them down in the Naki still? Oh, of course, yeah. Well, but that, that story um, – you know, Alan Sherrick and his, his best his brother Bruce Sherrick's my best mate. So me and Bruce went to school together, played first fifteen rugby, and um, long story short, Alan was a, was our elder brother. And there's we've got about fifteen really good mates down here, and, and most of us are, are chucked into a horse somewhere along the, right. the track because Alan inherited the the um, the training from his father Bob Sherrick, um, who's a bit of a legend down there in Taranaki. Mm. So. Um, it was only, you know, Craig, you know, myself and Craig Innes owned a horse with Alan at one stage and Kevin Edo was, was thrown into a horse at one stage and it was during the footy careers having, having you know, the odd share in a horse. But over the last sort of five five to ten years, we've sort of looked at it and gone, you know, maybe we should have a have a look at this seriously. Um, and me, Alan and Bruce are, are in most of those horses. Uh, and it's nice to have a couple of partners, you know what I mean? Just... Just you know, when when just asked me, he's running around. There's only another couple of blokes you have to talk to and go. Man, we hope he goes all right today. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, yeah no, it's, it's it's real good fun. Um, I think his strike rate at the moment, Alan, he's he's still up there. He's he's probably just in front of Jamie Richards. He doesn't race as many horses as Jamie Richards, but he's got a pretty good strike rate, Alan, at the moment. He's got the best apprentice in Hazel riding, and he's had really good apprentices. You know, look at Matty Cameron. Michael Walker. Okay, go um, back through the. I mean, if anything, I tell you what, Alan's given to an industry. It's he's given a lot of good jockeys or competent jockeys. Uh, he's given some colour to the industry. That's what Alan. He's gives. given a lot of sprays. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so you've heard about those? Oh, I think everybody's heard them. <laughs> you might be in Taranaki, but you can hear them. Yeah, like he, he's uh, he's a top bloke, Alan. He's you know what you see is what you get. He's a soul of the earth. Um, but he's he's more he's more like a big brother uh, to all of us down there. He's, yeah, he's Waitara Tuturu, they call that, you know, he, he that's where he's from and he's never left it. He goes home every Friday night and he's hanging out with the boys on a Sunday and you go home and he's still cooking a roast with roast spuds for you and eating jelly and ice cream. You know what I mean? It's you don't you don't change a hell of a lot with Alan Sherrick. Um you're gonna if you go if you're going home, you're going home. So, you know, it's um he's a good he's a good bloke, Alan. He's you know, and and we're having some fun this year. We've had some fun over the last few years with Cowie was another one. You know, and Alan's he's we've gone to races you know, in a in a van. Um about twelve of us in a in a camper van and, do, and we've had some real good fun. Do you know the do you know the um uh, uh, true story about Alan Sherrick and I know some blokes, uh, boys get paid, Luke Kimmies and Benny Masters and those lads. So when Carly was going around and, and you know, in, in his heyday, that was when they were getting into racing. And yes, you would have heard the song sung at Karaka Million, there's only one Opie Boss and walking around, you know, it's, it's just Opie's world and we're all living in it. When Opie's dialed in, it, it does feel like that. But the original song actually was There's Only One Alan Sherrick. Yeah. That was the original that when there was about five of them, these drunk guys standing at the races screamed, there's only one Alan Sherrick. And uh, so Opie actually nicked that title off, Al. So they he, he, Yeah, that'd be, that'd be right. Too. And I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure I was walking next to Alan that day um, when those boys were singing that song. But yeah, he's a he's a, he's a a um, prominent figure around New Zealand, Alan. No matter where he goes, he knows everybody. You know, and he's an old soul. So he knows everybody who's... On the, taking their last breath, or the kid that's coming through sixteen riding a riding his horse for the first time, and Alan treats them all the same, mate. So, you know, like you said, you hear it, you hear it, you hear the stories. Um, 
and you just you get what you get with Alan. He doesn't change. I'm sure he's cop cop you a few sprays. Oh, mate, I came home one time. I'll tell you a little story <laughs> about that. I came home one time with my head up my ass, sitting in the bus. Um, we were at a pub down in the Uranui Tavern in down in Taranaki, and I was playing up a little bit. You know, I was bigger bigger than Ben Hur, um, playing in the NRL and so forth and that and. When you sit in the van, there's 15 of us. When you sit in the van, you don't ever want to get told to sit right behind the driver's seat. No. Like, you sit there, but you don't want to be told you're in that seat. Yeah. Because that's a spray seat. And he told me, you're get in that seat. You know, that's what he said to me in the pub. And I knew straight away, I was thinking, man, I'm going to get a hiding. Because you get a hiding from that seat, you know. And, and oh, blokes, right. blokes have copped a couple of yeah, sure. clips around the years. So I've jumped in that seat. I'm 21 at the time. And... Uh, we take off from the pub and we're heading back to New Plymouth, you know, for a night out. And he's he started on me. Who do you think you are? <laughs> just that, just that one. You heard that one before. Who do you think you are? You know, he's given me. He's given me. Cut straight to the soul, doesn't mate, it? Mate, and I and I'm and of course I was pretty fit back in those days. I just I just tensed up and I was thinking they're going to come for me at the minute. They're going to they're going to give me a hiding. And <laughs> he's basically he basically said to me, I, I won't I won't say it word for word, but he said, just don't forget where you come from, mate. You know, you're you're from here. I don't care who you think who you think you are, but you're actually from here. And a, that's the nice version. Mm, um, mm. Yeah, and I did. You it, need to hear it. It was about a oh, mate. Did, never ever heard it again. Right. And ba- basically, he just said to me, "Don't don't forget where you come from. You know, you're not you're not that good." So, um, and that's what Alan that's what Alan Sherrick is. You know what I mean? You, you look at that bloke. What you see today was it's, was the same kid we went to school with. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Oh, here's a strike rate. You're right. 4.54. It's always good. He doesn't have many in the barn, but he doesn't have them in the barn unless he's got them there for a reason, right? He's got some good owners with him. Um, he's got, as you say, long-term supporters that, as everything you've just said, will vouch for him and understand what he's about, soul to the earth. You know, if you need Al, I bet you he's there for you. He's it'd be one oh, of those guys. 100%. One of those guys, whatever you need, if he if you're kind of in that inner circle. So four point five four, just going through. So that is the that's the lowest or the, the most efficient strike rate. I mean, no surprise to see Tony Pike five point three four right up there as well. Um Roger James, Robert Wellwood, they're training very, very well, five point five seven, but four point five four is the um, smallest or the best strike rate in the top ten. It's the best strike rate in the top twenty. It's the best strike rate in the top thirty. Go on until you get down very, very low with a couple of hobby trainers. So there you go. He's he's flying again, and um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Tavi Mac and Just Ask Me. Obviously, maybe Just Ask Me's been up for a while. These the summer tracks probably not going to suit him. No, nah, not at all. Yeah, so you know we we were just unlucky. Or oh, that Captain Cook got cancelled down in down in Wellington. The, it looked like the day was going to turn out just right for just us, me. Mm. Um, yeah, and it was you know for me it wasn't probably Hazel's best ride on the weekend. Um, taking him back to the inside, we should, probably funny old day at Alapuni. Yeah, that, that tight that tight um, final bend. You know, threw a few threw a few horses out and favoured the the leaders, I guess. But you look at Coventina um, Bay, we came around the outside and just. I thought we probably should have tracked tracked her and and followed her back into the race and and given our boy a bit of a crack at it. But you know that's racing. You you just you just suck it up. You know that's racing, Gimpy. You know it all too well. We we'll talk a lot more about it throughout the morning. Uh, Pukakoi's running 
this afternoon and uh, it'll be a great meet. So I'm sure lots of people will be going along there. The day looks like it's going to be a good one in the 09. Hey, 0800 150 Izzy Dag's not here, but that doesn't mean Quizzy Dag gets put away. You've heard us prattling on about racing. You want to have a bet today? Or well, you might have had a terrible weekend on the pump like myself. Give us a call now. Play Quizzy Dag. This will be a great test. Let's see how many of you are awake and kicking on the 20th of December. Back after this with Quizzy Dag. It's Quizzy Dag with Ashley and Martin. Regrow your hair. Search Ashley and Martin today. You know what time it is. It's Quizzy Dag. A quiz that keeps on giving like a skipper bass. Louie, Trudy, Kez and Joe not once to brag. But good luck to our quizzies cause there's Satan in the bag. Oh, 800-150-811. Now give it a go. Oh, I miss you, brother. <laughs> miss you, Daggy Kempi. We got a song for us? Or? Oh, mate, ten times better than that, is he? Can't wait, brother. <laughs> Maybe a duet. <laughs> it's Quizzy Dag time with Ashley and Martin. Let's get ripped into it. No Quizzy Dag today, but we got Quizmaster Kempi on the line. Craig, you're up first. Are you feeling confident, bro? Oh, so, so. <laughs> Let's see what you got, Craig. Hey, bear with me, mate. It's my first crack at it this morning on Quizzy's Dag. Um, with with Ashley and Martin, but how many? Just looking at yesterday's fight, how many times did Joseph Parker drop uh, Derek Trezor in yesterday's bout? Uh, three times. Yep, that's correct. Three times. Um, second question: Which Kiwi snowboarder won the women's snowboard slope style final in Colorado yesterday? Uh, I heard his name. I can't pronounce it. Uh, it was Sarah, somebody, I think. But I'm going to have to pass. Sorry. Oh, hard luck, Craig. Unlucky, mate. We're going to Callum from West Auckland. Callum, second question here. Which kills? Oh. Who is it? Zoe Sadowski Simmet. That's it. That's right. That, this is John, is it? That's Callum. Callum, sorry. Callum. Um, okay, third question, Callum. Uh, who did Izzy Dag score his first All Blacks try against, mate? His first test try. Uh, was it Ireland? Ooh. Carl. We're going to move on here. We've got John. Hey, John, here you go, mate. Good, mate. Okay, Izzy Dag, mate. Who did he score his first all-black test try, try against? Um, right. Oh. Sorry, mate. Going to Richie. Richie! Happy Christmas, Richie. How you doing, bro? Yeah, good yourself, Louis. Yeah, good, mate. Good, mate. I'll, I'll give Wales a go. Oh, that was my choice too, mate. Sorry, Richie. See you tomorrow, Richie. Cheers. Pistol Pete. Oh, no. Pull them out, mate. What are they? <laughs> oh, no. Are they six shooters, Pistol? <laughs> yeah. Finding a little revolver. <laughs> <laughs> so who did you score that first test try against, mate? Um, hopefully the Aussies. Oh, now we're getting warmer. I'll just I'll throw that in there. Now we're getting warmer. Do you play a bit of blues guitar, Pistol? Uh, more of a half man mouth up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on we go. Okay, we're off to Simon. Come on, Simon. Someone's got to get it. That was that was warm. We go. We went up the meter. Then who did Izzy Dag score his first test try against? Simon, are you awake? Yep. Who did Izzy Dag score his first test try against, mate? South Africa. Oh, yeah. here he is. Here he is. Simo's back. Jeez. 
See, Izzy, no one ever watched you play, mate. That's why it took so long. <laughs> All right, we're going down the next one here. Um, what national record did Kiwi athlete Zoe Hobbs set on the weekend? It's an easy one, that one. Hobbs. Zoe Hobbs. Was it the 100 metres? Correct. Oh. Here we go. Here's the money question. Ooh. In the 1993-94 season... That great soccer player, Winton Rufa, was a top scorer in the UEFA Champions League, but what club did he play for at that time? In 90 what? 93? 93-94. Don't, 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 don't tell me you know every club he played for. <laughs> is it a G- German club, is it? Uh, it's, hey, hey, hey. Hey, we've been padding here, but we've only got a minute, so we're going to let you keep padding. Uh, yes, it's a German uh, club. Word of Bremen? You got Where's it. Bremen? <laughs> <laughs> There's a champ, mate, and today... Yeah, that's a... No, he's, he is a champ, Kempi, to be, you bang on. And the other thing is Simon's done the classic... He's done the, the oldest trick in the book there. German club? Wait, what year was that? Oh, sorry, it was just the phone's breaking up there. Um, oh, OK. Um, um... <laughs> Good work, Simon. <laughs> Simon, don't mind it, mate. Well done. Hey, uh, that's with Ashley and Martin. If you're not happy with your hair loss, get in touch. Ashleyandmartin.co.nz today. We're going to be back wrapping up the hour after that. It's a good effort from you, Kempi. First edition of Quizzy Dag on the Summer Breakfast. Back shortly. Morning, 20th of December. 2021, you're listening to the Summer Breakfast on SCNZ. Pleasure to have your company this morning. Louis Herman Watt joined by Tony Kemp, former Warriors coach, former Kiwis player. Great standoff, telling some awesome stories about Carlaw Park in the first hour. If you missed that, we'll get Tony to repeat some of those. I'm sure he's got many. Where we're broadcasting from here in the TAB buildings, we were on Carlaw Park and I completely neglected to realise... Well, I knew that, but I hadn't put two and two together that when Tony walked around the corner, he was going to go, oh, that's where we are. And, um, yeah, I, I could see it, the flashbacks in his eyes. 0800 150 We're going to talk some boxing right about now. But double eight, double three, Carlaw Park, your memories from this great place. No doubt you would have – have you ever seen – did you see Tony play here once upon a time? What's your greatest memory, your best try – the player you saw running off the back fence at Carlaw Park that has etched into your brain forever. It is an iconic sporting venue that is now, well, it's building, but as Tony said, the Carlaw Park Trust is what pretty much funds and finances and, and makes the Amateur Rugby League Association in New Zealand or in Auckland a, you know, a profitable or um, an organisation that can do good things and keep the game prospering in this part of the world. So, yeah, Carlaw Park, double eight, double three. Or give us a call on the Kennard's High Phone Line. But right now, what I want to talk about is boxing. Later on, we're going to catch up with Jamie Richards. He's moving to Hong Kong and racing news that, well, it was quite shocking or maybe just surprising. Well, maybe neither. Maybe it was just exciting when we heard that on Friday. He's up after eight. Monty Beetham is up after nine o'clock because Kevin Mialamu, the great All Black, Actually, maybe we should go find that interview we did with Kevin Mialamu on breakfast a while ago and catch up because he, he's doing some special stuff and he, he's a great community man. He's a huge leader. And as Izzy says, the respect people have for Kevin Mialamu, ah, it's immense. When he speaks, you listen. So we'll try and uh, we're going to find out from Monty Beetham how he's going to go on this boxing game and what sort of thing. He is going to get into, or maybe what sort of fights he's going to take. I guess that's the question for me. 
Who's Kevin Mialamu going to be matched up with? Monty Beetham up after 9 o'clock. Plenty more to come, including Fred De Jong at 7.40 talking some Phoenix football. But as I say, 0800-150-811. We want to talk to you about Joseph Parker and what you saw yesterday. Um, a lot has been made. A lot has been made of the scoring, the way that the fight was scored. Pretty surprising. I think a lot of people shocked. But... As Kempi pointed out, maybe that's just what happens with boxing. You can never really be too sure. 115-110, To me, that says if Joseph Parker didn't get those three knockdowns, he could have been in a lot of trouble. And in a way, these judges have actually given five or six rounds to Chisora. Uh, there was a British judge, there was an Italian judge, and there was a German judge. And um, and some bloke with a lot of money. And yeah, well, there you go. And some bloke with a lot of money, says Kimpy. Um, it's a little bit surprising. I, I think. I, I think he dominated the fight. This is what I saw. I saw Joseph Parker coming out, and he looked different. He looked mean. He looked focused, and he looked like he was there for a reason. And when he stepped into the ring, I really felt that Andy Lee had a connection with him. His trainer could get through to him, and I felt like he was motivated. He looked bigger to the eye. He was bigger. We knew that. Physiologically, he was bigger. He was more developed. The way he went after Chisora, he still had those fast hands, but stayed on the front foot and didn't let Chisora get a running start and coming at him like a raging bull. I thought it was really impressive. I thought he showed proactiveness. I thought he showed a lot of energy and a lot of heart. What I would say is I still saw him fall asleep for two rounds. And he has gone missing in fights. He's admitted that. He didn't do it for as long, and he still showed more intent while he was out there. But I just still think, and that might be something more to do with what the long-term goal is here. You know, I, I, this isn't. I'm not going to pretend like he was going to be fixed and he was going to be the world's most perfect fighter this one fight just because Andy Lee's had time with him now. Obviously, this is a journey, and that is something they will work on. So it was never going to be perfect, but I did see that, and I'm wondering if you did an 0800 150 how impressed were you with what JP did? I was really impressed. I was, you know, I thought he had to make a statement. Um, you know, been out of out of it for a while. His last couple of fights, you know, not not setting the world on fire and Chisora, um having the question over him whether or not, you know, the, the Chisora would be saying, well, the the, the 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 judges did the same to me in the first fight. He thought he'd won that first fight, you know. And you're talking about a fight earlier. I, th- I think there should be a trilogy. If, you know, these these two boxers are going to find it hard to find a find a fight. I think they should get back in the ring again. And, and sharpen Joseph up even more. Interesting. Um, so yeah. have a have a trilogy. Have another fight. It was it was a great fight yesterday. It was you know heavyweight um, fighting probably at at its best at the moment. I, I love that it, you know in Manchester you get that crowd sitting there. Imagine how hard it was for Joseph for Joseph to listen to that crowd back in Chisora. Um, and then having to make sure that he came out on top. And I think the judges are probably swayed by the home crowd. Um, but you know there's no no better no better place to box than up there in the in the far north of England, and and Joseph Parker to me looked like he's he was back to world class best. Yeah, um, I think we might have a caller on the line. We got Adam on the line out of out of the UK. We do have Adam out of the line on the on the line out of the UK. Uh, Kempi, he's Adam's been tuned into the show for a long time. He told us that he was going to go up and go to the fight. Oh no, he's just dropped off just like that. I've actually cursed him. I've sent Adam away. Um, that's that's classic. That's how it works. But you're right. It, 
I think I wouldn't have expected that I would enjoy that fight as much as I did. Everything you were hearing about Derek Chisora is that he was he's awful to fight. It's, you can't. It's not enjoyable for anyone. But I still think Joseph managed to actually tee off and show what he's capable of. He's always had the fastest hands in the heavyweight division, but now he's bigger. I think it's really promising signs. Yeah, look, Chisora uh, too. You got a bit of a gob on him, didn't he? You know, he came out even even telling. Um, the promoters to pay him the way that he's he's always set, said that he hasn't been paid what he's worth, and then for Joseph Parker to come in and smash him, you know, he made Joseph Parker made him eat his words. Um, I'd be if I was Joseph Parker, if I was you know looking after him, I'd be making sure that that money that Chisora is talking about um, is going in Parker's pockets and and go back and get it. That's what I'm saying. Go back and get another fight with him. All right, let's see what our man on the ground uh, thinks and thought being there. It's awesome to bring in Adam, who's been a part of Baznizzi for a long time, started listening way back when. You're out in the UK. Adam, can you hear me there, man? Yeah, no, I've got you, boys. How you doing? Oh, very good. It's a pleasure to speak to you. Now, I, I just the thought occurred to me, well, our guy Adam went to the fight. You, you were there, weren't you? Yeah, I've absolutely cursed him. I've absolutely kissed him. <laughs> I've absolutely kissed. The boys in the kitchen are going to work out how we can get in touch with Adam and uh, might just have to give him a call maybe. But I think if you were in that atmosphere, is there a, you played a lot of league up there. I was listening to it, listening to it, you know, and listening to that crowd and the, the, the way that they just get behind their fighters. Joseph Parker been away for so long, you know, he's got to go to Vegas to train. He's got to go to the, the north of England to train. Mm. He's... He hasn't got that support. Yes, he'd have some Kiwis in the in the stand, but when you've got the, that type of support from the north of England, the noise alone would put you off. Yeah, you well, the I, noise alone would put you off. I couldn't, but like, you, you, well, I can believe it because you've seen enough of it now. But the atmosphere they can conjure just for uh, let's know there's no heavyweight title on the, on the line, but the way that they can conjure it, the way they care about their sport. Double eight, double three. What did you see from Joseph? Was it a different version of him? Would love to hear from you. And what's the fight that makes sense next? I think it's a really curious piece of the puzzle, which I'll be interested to hear what Adam has to say. Did you, you, you into your boxing a wee bit, Tony? I always have been. You know, I grew up watching Muhammad Ali. You know, my old man was a mad um, uh, boxing fanatic. So we all sat down and watched the Frazier fights. Muhammad Ali, back then uh, Hearn Hagler. Um, and during my coaching career, I actually got to go and watch... Um, Oscar De La Hoya uh, fight uh, Bernard Hopkins in Vegas at the MGM. Oh, wow. Um, so it was a pretty, pretty cool experience that, um, you know, seeing, you, know, you you watch it on TV, you see all the, the superstars walk in, all the sports stars. Mike Tyson was there, um, Magic Johnson. Jake Paul? Uh do you think he? Do you think he paid Woodley to get knocked out like that? You well, that's a question we're gonna we're gonna ask you. All right, we've got our guy. Third time, it's the charm. Our man on the ground and in, in the ring. Well, ringside was Adam. You went to the fight, mate. Thank you so much for taking time to join us this morning. How was it? What was the atmosphere like in the building? Uh, yeah, no, it was, it was pretty epic actually. The um, Grats can sure get behind and bent like that, and. Um, we sort of see it with a lot of their sports, really. Um, and, yeah, it was sort of echoing around the arena, to be honest, um, especially when uh, Derek Chisora came in, that's for sure. So what, what's the what's the fanfare like around Derek Chisora? Because he's not necessarily the most marketable heavyweight, is he? No, I think I think it's just sort of rings to sort of the British people where they, they just like to have a go. Um, and he always does have a go, whether he wins or he loses, he's... He, as we've seen last night, uh, doesn't die wondering. So 
um, yeah, I think they, they just like getting in behind that and knowing that they're going to be entertained. Hey, Adam. Hey, mate. What did you like about Parker this time around? I think definitely his size definitely helped him. Um, at times, he did look a little bit gassed through those middle rounds, but um, I think he probably has, to a degree, had that sort of uh, mental lapse that sort of taught out of him over this last camp, which is another big plus for him. Um, also, as, as even though he didn't actually stop his or the actual um, way in which he tried to sort of more methodically go about it um, is still a very good point for him. Um, not just trying to get rid of him straight out there and getting caught silly, um, which has been talked up in the lead up the whole way through. Um, so, yeah, it's about it, really. But and so he just, did look a lot more physically strong. So the training gets a big tick, obviously. Yeah, most certainly. And uh, Andy's um, world-class uh, world class boxer in his own right anyway, so uh, for world champ. So, um, yeah, he's definitely in, in good hands there. I, I thought he was with the berries as well, but um, yeah, they're both much for much in some time. So talk to me, Adam, you, you follow this stuff way closer than I do, about the size and, and how this actually makes a difference. So he's always had lightning fast hands for a heavyweight, right, Joe? That's what everyone's always said. What does this adding the size then give him that he hasn't typically had? Uh, well, he might just, and being a bit bigger, being in there with a guy like Sura, feel a wee bit, um, just a wee bit more confident in himself where he can sort of hold him. He's not getting thrown around the ring, so to speak, as we've seen um, in the first fight, especially, in, and also that Dillian White fight earlier, sort of 2018-ish. Um, but yeah, no, he, he, he looked a lot stronger, that's for sure. Um, been to a few of the fights now, and, and, and yeah. I'd definitely say he was a lot. Um, his confidence was showing that he, he was happy with the weight and, and he was willing to throw. Yeah. Hey, and, and reading the papers up there this morning or or the, the media afterwards, who are they pitching as the next fight? Are they talking Wilder? Are they talking any anyone like that that Joshua needs to go for? What are the, what are the pundits, the, the, the great people up there who follow boxing saying Parker needs to go to next? Um, I'm not too sure. I haven't really seen too much of it as of yet. Um, there's definitely a few options for him, um, which he definitely now has. Now he's got the win, but um, yeah, I don't think Wilder would be too much in the picture for. What's the well, Adam? Forwards, what is the? So that's interesting. You say there are options. I, for me, from an outsider's perspective, it looks quite convoluted how it would happen. I mean, so I. I what are, the, what are the pennies that need to fall before or the dominoes that need to fall before Parker's next fight is clear? Because my understanding is we're trying to work out whether Fury-White is the next big fight? Yeah, so there's uh, Fury-White is being ordered, um, but that means absolutely nothing boxing. So um, whether that comes up next for, for both of those guys is still up in the air, but... Um, you still got uh, Usyk with all the rest of the titles and Joshua to rematch. Um, so that takes those four pretty much out of the picture. Um, a few of the Americans like to keep to themselves, so um, that sort of nullifies a few of those options. So he's got he's got he's well ranked, so he's, he's got a couple of chances at, at multiple um, final eliminators, which will guarantee a title shot, uh, much like he had. Uh, pre-world title shot that he had with Ruiz in Auckland four or five years ago.
Yeah, so Andy Ruiz, where's he at in all of this? Is he because he's also still well ranked, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, Andy's Andy's had some rankings um, just from past performances, but there is a wee bit of chat about uh, if White doesn't uh, fight Fury, that it'll be Fury versus Ruiz. But I think that's sort of a lot to do with sort of that American fan base. Fury fighting in America, fighting a Mexican, um, yeah, sort of generates a lot of popularity over there. Um, but yeah, I, I think he'll he'll probably fight another American maybe in the new year and sort of the end of the first quarter of the next year. Mm. So so the fight yesterday, a different Joseph Parker we, we expect. You, you, you think he's going to get that title shot again like he had against uh, Joshua? Uh, yeah, most certainly. He's definitely trending in the right direction. Uh, and that, that, that is the major positive to take from yesterday, that got the win under the belt, far more entertaining, um, and you had people talking about the performance uh, in a positive light this morning and, and going forward compared to what sort of maybe dealt harshly that has happened to him in the past about feeling flat and, and the likes. It's definitely a... a so, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree, Adam. I think it was a, a pretty exciting to see him out there and, and looking a little bit sharper and just a little bit more menacing, right? He just looked like he had an extra kick about him, which is something we haven't seen. So I think a lot of that can go down to the motivation where he's been, leaving his family over there with Andy Lee, surrounded by people that are motivated and also know how to win. He's surrounded by winners and killers, right? And uh, it was very exciting. Hey, before we let you go, Adam, did you by any chance see that... The other fight, we'll call it. <laughs> Yesterday, yesterday's other other boxing match between um, not a fury, Ty- Tyrone Woodley and Jake Paul. Oh, the the, um, the bank robbery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Fair Dinkum, was that a real knockout or did he move his hands out of the way? Uh, all I've seen is one... Um, video or short clip of the knockout, um, which looked spectacular um, from that angle, but without actually seeing any of it, I wouldn't have a clue. But um, getting given Rolexes and that before the fight is a really gift, I think, alludes to somewhat what that sort of fight might have been like. I think it's a really good way to put it, mate. Hey, um, good on you for getting out there and going to some of these fights. What do you what do you do in the UK, Adam? Are you you obviously Kiwi up there living? Uh, you just got a partner who's from the UK, so uh, just working remotely at the moment. Nice. Well, happy Christmas and enjoy the, the winter Christmas up Be there. Be safe, mate. Hopefully we can catch up again. Appreciate you taking some time and filling us in with what went on over the weekend. No worries, boys. There you go. Adam, one of our day one listeners, I remember tuning in and saying he, he's stoked that the sport radio back on the the airwaves. He's up in the UK, big fans of Baz and Izzy, and, and loves uh, loves his boxing. So awesome to connect with one of our listeners. You could be anywhere in the world and listen, hey, that's amazing. I'm, I travelled up to England back in the early 80s, and um, that's when you had to go and use a you know, find a phone box. Sure. Put your, put your pound coins in there, yeah. and they used to chew them up every 30 <laughs> seconds to talk to your mum and dad. Now you just dial into the internet and you listen to the boys on sins and in, in, in the comfort of your northern English home. So gee, times have changed. Absolutely. There's some great texts here about Carlo Park as well, which we're going to run by in a second, Kempi. Try fight Wilder, says Chris. Um, wow, I don't know what Deontay Wilder's up to. That knockout in that last fight, I think, would have taken a lot of him out of him spiritually and physically. He looked pretty defeated at the end of that, but uh, it's a good point. Double eight, double three, Chris. 
Thank you for your text. Keep them coming through. Is that a different Joseph Parker? What did you see? Or 0800 150 Was that a new version of JP? We'll be back. Clear. We'll get to some of these uh, great text messages on Carlaw Park after this. We are SCNZ Summer Breakfast. Louis Hemwatt joined by Tony Kemp. Uh, great league identity, of course, here for the week, and, and we're loving it. And it's 26 minutes past seven. You've got messages on Joseph Parker. Send them through, double eight, double three, or 0800 150 811 is the Kennard's High phone line. But we started off talking about Carlaw Park, Kempe, because well, that's kind of where we are today. And, and uh, Craig's come through on the text line there. Do you want to read that? Yeah, Craig's come through just basically talking about the 70, 70s and 80s and, and coming down to Carlow Park to watch club footy. Um, and he's right, you know, all the Kiwis used to play in, that, in those club teams back then. Now it's where Mark Graham, Hugh McGahn running around for Tahu, you know, Dean Lonigan for City Newton, um, Ron O'Regan was playing for Te Aratu back then. Uh, you know, um, you got Wiz out at Northcote. He played for Northcote. Clayton Friend in Monaco. You know, with Nicky Wright. Remember Nicky Wright playing that test match at fullback? Yeah. Um, playing for Monaco, he got called in when Day, um, Gary Campbell missed the, missed the side. Well, these so. names, these are, it's just incredible that they were actually playing cl- for clubs. So the Fox Memorial, that's what they call it, and it's still being played for today. It's a little bit, in the Rugby Union, they've got the Ranfilly Shield. In Rugby League, they've got the Fox Memorial Shield. Sure. Um, and Auckland Club Rugby still play for that shield um, annually. Um, but, but back in those days, the Fox was like the competition. And not only that, you'd go, you know, it was a mud bath. When it rained there, I played test football there in the, in the, in the rain, and it, was, it would turn into a bit of a quagmire out there. It had a little bit of a roll-up there on the right-hand side in the... What was that? That would be the southern end of the field, right. running running yep. uh, north to south, and you'd go up and you kick the ball into that corner. It'd actually roll back infield and come back to you, <laughs> but like Oddsall at Bradford. Um, and the scoreboard, you know, the guys used to go up there, but they drinking lion red up there, putting the putting the score up on the big scoreboard. And um, well, like I said, me and my dad, we used to tr- we used to travel out all the way up from Taranaki to watch that that football, club football, we'd call in, you'd come here, the grandstands would be packed. Um, but you'd come here because all the, all the Kiwis were playing in those club sides. You know, you great players playing, running around right throughout the, the competition here. And, you know, Dean Bell, Dean Bell claimed friend in the same team with Monaco. Dave Watson, remember Dave Watson played the Kiwis? So Dave Watson, me and him grew up together, we're both from Waitara, we played the Kiwis together. You would, who, who would have thought the coach was Harry Tamara, he was from Waitara, me and Dave Watson, there's three of us in the Kiwi team at the time. But Davey came up here and of course he loved Monaco and he ended up playing with, with Clayton and, and the likes at Monaco um, for many years before he kicked on his, his football career, went over to Bradford, ended up at Cronulla yeah. um, in, the, in the Gold Coast Titans. So... Um, yeah, the breeding grounds back then, Craig. You, you know, you, you racked up the the memory then, the memory banks. Of course, the Rawpati brothers. Yeah, like that game when we came to watch when a manly play Otahu. This two year was a seventeen year old. Carved them up that night. Oh, I remember watching man. him going, man. I would have been fourteen, fourteen or fifteen at the time, and going, man, that guy's only a couple of years younger. Younger than me, and it was just so happened that both both of us were in the Kiwi team together playing against those guys, Wally Lewis and all them in the days. And you know, there's a number of them, about 400 raw putties playing rugby league for the Fox back then. Well, the the just the essentially what you're painting the picture of is this league community, which just were full with icons. We didn't probably understand at the time that we wouldn't be here in 20, 30 years' time, where these names aren't necessarily just the community members. Like the the professionalism of sport and rugby league, especially, is something I want to ask you about because it completely changed the landscape of the picture you've just painted in Carlaw Park, which is literally about a hundred metres from where we're broadcasting from now. So, Craig, awesome message. Shane sent us another one. We're going to get to that after the news, Kim. You've got me going, yeah. I love that, mate. Double eight, double three. 
Old leaguies, your league fans, send us a message. What are your memories of Carlaw Park or this era of rugby league? Even better, give us a call. 0800 150 811. We'd love to hear from you. Right now, we're going to head off to the news with Trudy for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Fred de Jong's coming up this hour as well, but plenty more on Carlaw Park and that era of, um, well, awesome rugby league memories. Send us a message. Summer breakfast on SCNZ. Tony Kemp and Louis Herman Watt here through till 10am this morning. Uh, Jamie Richards coming up. Monty Beetham. I'm sure we'll replay some of our best bits throughout the year as well. And Fred De Jong is not far <laughs> away at all. Are you laughing because you don't think they're best bits, do you? Uh, look, I just, it, we're talking about Carlo Park. Well, I sh- we should ask Monty a story. I was coaching coaching the New Zealand side when Monty was a captain. <laughs> we should ask Monty. I'll ask Monty a question about the message that I sent down to him to ask the referee one time, see if he remembers. It was hilarious. Oh, okay, that's gold. Here we go. That's a, you know, that is, um, that's a radio tease. You're not bad at this. You got, you got half a half a future here, Kempi. Uh, it's good fun this morning. Now, just we should mention the English, the convicts. The, the English are absolutely dwindling in this ta- Ashes series. So. They've been set. Australia made 473 declared, then 230 declared in their two innings. England, 236 first innings. Second innings, needing to hang on and bat today for a draw. Well, they couldn't hang on under the lights yesterday. They lost four wickets, including Joe Root at the end of the day. Ben Stokes is three not out. English cricket fans, talk to me. What's going on here? That's the situation. Um, Australians probably about to lap you, to be honest. This Ashes series could get really messy. Anyway, we've been talking Carl or Park and there's another message here from Shane on double eight double three. Kimby. I, I actually remember these games. Shane talks about um, going down and watching the Raiders play Auckland. Um, Johnny Lomax and, and Quinton Pongia were playing back in back in those days for Canberra. They just started out with them and, and Sean Hoppy um, as well. Um, but Mel Meninga, Mel Meninga and Laurie Daly and Ricky Stewart, you know, um, Steve Walters was a hooker at that that time. You know, they they were the four big kangaroos that played for Canberra at the time. Gary Belcher was at fullback, and they came over and played Auckland this day. And they had a young kid in the centres called Logan Campbell. Uh, I I remember I'd never seen the game, but I remember the story came over to Australia. Man, you should see this kid Logan Campbell. Um, he carved up Mel Meninga. <laughs> there was there was a story, right? Know, this, and, and anyway, Logan became a really good mate of mine. He, Newcastle signed him on a trial trial basis from that game, and he came over. He ended up flat. I got him to flat with me. Him and another young Kiwi kid called Carl Hall played in the junior Kiwis with me. Um, but that was a story that came over. I, only this year, I actually tracked that game down and watched uh, the first half of it. And Logan Logan scored this try uh, against Canberra on that day that um, they're talking about here. Shane's talking about, and he did. He carved them up. He, he, I could see, I could see why the rumor in the rumor mill that Logan Campbell, this was the next best centre. Of course, I played centre. You see, I played centre at Newcastle at the time. I was thinking, right. who's this young buck coming through? Yeah, thinking, yeah, thinking yeah. he's going to take my jersey. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, but he sort of he went. I had a, had a decent career. Logan played for London and ended up at Hull. Um, but that game there, Auckland actually beat beat um, Canberra that day. But it was a trial, mate. <laughs> you know, trials are trials. Yeah, and teams get beaten in trials. They're not actually. Um, the games that you're really worried about. But the other one... Are listening to SENZ this morning. It is 20th of December. It's Christmas week. 
Uh, people are fired up, of course, knocking off work, but we're still here. Tony Kemp, Louis Herman Watt, and we'll be here all week bringing you the latest in sport. It was a busy weekend for lots of Kiwis in action across the ditch around the world. Uh, unfortunately for the Wellington Phoenix, they fell to a defeat in Sydney. Couldn't get it done. A season that's probably started with not the amount of gusto they would have been hoping a man who always has gusto, whether it's Sky Sport, wherever he's playing his trade, is Fred Diong. He joins us now. Morning, Fred. Great to have you on the program. Yeah, morning, mate. Morning. It's a bit of a late night, actually, because uh, watching two games of football after a dinner. So, uh, but yeah, disappointing. Disappointing evening, to be honest. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the, the overwhelming feeling for me, waking up and checking the score this morning. I'm just The highlights are actually just popping up now. What did you kind of reckon the atmosphere on the field was within the team? Are they are they struggling to find a bit of rhythm, or emotionally are they in the right place? Well, I mean, the, the season started actually started better than it has for many a season. Um, I mean, if you think back last year, they went like five games and they had one point. Um, so... Um, this year, the first couple of games weren't a draw, so everyone was like, "Oh, this is you know, this is way way more positive than historically." Um, and but then the last three games have been disappointing. Um, last night, Sydney are the better team. Sydney have been, you know, uh, they were sitting second bottom here, one of the one of the favourites for the competitions, one of the biggest clubs in, in the comp, um, having a real tough time of it. All the pressure on the coach Steve Corica. Um, so right. Sort of right for the picking, and I think that's what everyone thought. The Phoenix, well, here we go. We can we can really give them a, a run for their money. But uh, yeah, Sydney were better. They had the momentum in the game, um, and in the end, it was a deserved a deserved victory for them. Hey, the Phoenix haven't got enough going forward at the moment. Hey, Fred, it's Kempy, mate. Good to, good to hear you, hear your voice again. Hey, mate. How you going? Hey, um, <laughs> yeah, mate. Hey. It's good to see all these kids coming through. What are your thoughts on the on the state of uh, New Zealand football with all these young people coming through and 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 good footballers too? I think. Yeah, I mean, well, that's if you looked at the game last night. I mean, you're right. The the, the state of the youth in in um, the All Whites and the, the Olympic team that did so well on the on the men's side um, at the uh, at the Olympics. Um, so you look across the board, and there's some some very good young players around. Um, but with the Phoenix, uh, it's almost like they've got too many. You know, they just don't have the experience. The difference in the game was sort of summed up when uh, when Sydney made their subs. You know, it was about 70 minutes into the game, and it was 2-0. Um, and uh, so they bring on Ninkovic, Bobo, and Ryan Kraut, who are two of the three of the best players going around the league over the last three or four years. And then the Phoenix... Um, bring on Pennington and Old, who are two really young guys um, to try and change the game. And that, that just sums up where the Phoenix are right mm. now. Um, they, they, they need to, they haven't, they haven't um, replaced the players that they, they lost last year. You know, they lost Stephen Taylor, Tommy Hennhead, Ulysses Davila, Gary Hooper's gone over, off back to England for a bit. They need to replace the experience and, and the quality of those players. Otherwise, it'll be a, a pretty tough season. And I, I suppose you can't underestimate being away from home and kind of these young guys aren't necessarily the most experienced professionals, are they? So there's the on-the-field experience, but then there's the experience of being a professional athlete, which I'm sure they're kind of learning on the fly. How's Ufuk Tale um, resonating with them, do you think? Is, is he still the right... Well, I don't want to say he's the right man because, of course, he is. He, he's, he's the coach. But is he, I guess, connecting with this really young kind of New Zealand-based squad? 
Yeah, I, I, I've got a lot of, I mean, um, uh, Tale, Ufuk Tale is a, a very, very good coach. He plays a very good system of football. Um, the, the Phoenix can hold on to the ball. Um, you know, they can pass the ball around, keep position, and, and the movement in the, in the defensive and the midfield area is very good. Um, they're just light up front, and they don't get enough, for me, they don't get enough out of their midfielders. Um, so, I mean, it is for some people, I think for some people, it would be incredibly difficult being stuck over in Australia um, and not being, you know, connected to your your family or, mm. you know, your your friends and that. I think for some players, it would be it would be really hard. For others, I think it would be a ball. Mm. It would be an absolute hoot. You know, you'd be over there, you're in, you're in Australia, you're just playing football, it's, you know, you're young, you're single, it would be, it would be awesome. <laughs> I mean, Sounds, there's a great I did, song I did, too, I did, Young I did, Friend. I did it as a young, as a young guy and it was, it was brilliant. Yeah, I had a few years in Sydney and it was just playing football and yeah, working as well, but it was, it was awesome. Yeah, no. In the summer, you know, the beaches and everything. And so, so it was good. I, I agree with you. What a what a bit what a better way to spend some time playing football and in, in some sun and some summer in the summer in Sydney. Hey Fred, who what names on the lips on on everyone's lips in the soccer fraternity? What is it a young person coming up or someone who's currently that really um, I guess is going to be a shining light for New Zealand in years to come? Who is that? Who is that kid? Who? In, in the, uh, right across the spectrum, you'd probably think someone like Joe Bell. I think if you're looking at the, the top at the top levels, um, you know, obviously there's, there's Chris Wood who's doing it in the Premier League, where he's just having an unbelievable run in the Premier League in a in a team that isn't doing so well in Burnley. Um, Joe Bell playing in Norway, um, you know, top level of Norway, one of the best players in the Norwegian league, and everyone's expecting him. To um, to end up in a in a much better league in Europe, um, so he would be you know he's a he's a very calm midfield player. Um, he, he's probably the guy that um, Danny Hayes circled and going okay he's he's one that we really have to look after and, and try and help along the way and try and get into the best environment that we can. So um, yeah, but there's a there's a few others you know Callum McCallum's um, doing okay. Um, Elijah Just are doing. You know, there's a lot of players over in Europe um, who are doing doing good things at the moment, and that's what makes it so exciting. And, and the All Whites will play a couple of games in the January um, January FIFA window um, against Asian opposition. They got they've got a game against Uzbekistan. So yeah, it'll be you know it'll be exciting. And then they they roll into World Cup qualification for the World Cup at the end of end of next year in November in Qatar. And uh, if we can qualify for that, boy, that'll be some of them. Yeah, and that qualification just makes perfect sense, doesn't it, Fred? I won't get you going on that because um, <laughs> we've got a, got a lot of summer programming to fill, yeah. so that's one for another day, I reckon. Just, can I just get you out on this? Can I just get you out on this, Fred? Where, so you talk about these uh, European leagues and Joe Bowen trying to progress through. Where's the A-League at? And you're, you know, kind of honest, give me your honest assessment. Where's the A-League at? Is it, if, you know, from 10 years ago where they would have hoped the league could get to as far as a standard and the draw card of players they can get out, where are we at now? Um, I think over the last few years, it's um, because of the quality of some of the imports, I think it's dropped. I mm. think it, there, was a, there was a period a few years ago where, um, you know, you, you, it was attracting some some decent um, high-level imports. And then over the last two or three years, it's gone very young. 
and probably it needs to um, it, it needs more investment, and that's what they've just got. Um, they've signed a deal with Silver Lake, I think. It was. Yeah, it you're is. right. It is um, yep. for for a hundred and something million dollars. Um, so that'll give a that'll give a really good injection into the league and marketing the league. Um, so I think the the flow on effect of that will elevate the league again. Um, you know, it's not at the level of of a lot of the European leagues. I think it's better than most second division European leagues, other than possibly the top two or three, like the EPL, the, the English leagues, the Bundesliga, um, the the Spanish league. The second divisions would be much better than what um, what the A league is. But um, yeah, it's better than it'll be better than things like Swedish second division, those sorts of those sorts of places. So I think um, if 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 you're trying to equate where someone's sitting in the A-League, probably, yeah, if they're in the top division of a, of a European league, all good. If they're not, then there'd be a question mark on that. Yeah, okay, that's awesome. And that makes perfect sense. And I, I kind of had half suspected that just in the last couple of years. I don't know if a, back, a step back's fair, but I know what you mean about the age, and that's kind of an easy way to tell what sort of players we're attracting. Fred, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you, mate. You're a wealth of knowledge when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> Thanks for your time. Oh, good, mate. No worries. Merry Christmas, Christmas, mate. Yeah, you too. Fred De Jong. He is a wealth of knowledge. He laughs. He is Kimby. He he knows it no, all. He does. He, he knows it all. The wealth of knowledge there. Yep. Fred De Jong talking football. Phoenix couldn't get a win last night. Um, 2-1 to Sydney FC. And they probably just need a little bit of momentum through this busy period of the year. We're going to be back. We've got one last text here on Carlo Park before the end of the hour. We're going to get out. We still want your memories. Send them through. Double eight, double three. We'll be back to read this text in a second. Yeah, you are listening to SENZ. Jamie Richards is moving to Hong Kong to start his training career up there. He's coming up after the news. Here's a message. Morning, guys. Dad gave me an education when he took me to Carlo as a 10-year-old in the late 70s. We used to sit at the back of the domain stand. I quickly learned who Jim Beam and Johnny Walker were, and Dad did his best to try and convince me that the sweet smell of Kaikohe gold was the style of Benson and Hedges. Cheers, JD. Or Taranaki Thunder too. It was, a, it was the same smell that went around there. I like how he signed off there too, JD. A, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. A, it's a, that's a great text, but you know, I guess when men were men back in those days, you 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 went there, you, you know, they didn't drink beer and like little little glasses back then. They were tall, they were tall necks and you know, Jack Daniels, Jim Beam, Rum and Coke. You know, you go to you go to a party and the boys would tip you know, a third of their Coke out and the rest of the rum would go into a bottle of Coke. You'd walk around and everyone just had a bottle of Coke, you're wondering what they what they're it doing. It was the era. Like that's and so that vivid memory from J D, that smell I mean, it's the same. Whatever stadium you grew up on, for me, it was Jade Stadium down down home. You just the early days of your first days going to sporting events, whether it was to watch Nathan Astle, Brendan McCullum, whoever it was, um, Reuben Thorne down there. You know what that smell is. That's such a vivid text from JD, and I appreciate it. What are your memories of Carlaw Park? Keep them coming through, double eight, double three. And if anybody's got any photos of the old Carlaw Park, Send them through to us on Twitter. We want to get them up. Harrison sent through an awesome message on Joseph Parker. We'll get to in the next hour. He looked like a different fighter to me and to Kempe as well. Give us your thoughts. 0800 150 811. Did he look different to you? Jamie Richards is coming up talking his move to Hong Kong. Right now we're off to get another McCafe coffee. It's the news with Trudy for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand.
to you around New Zealand, Aotearoa. It is the 20th of December, Christmas week, and it's the summer breakfast. Tony Kemp and I am Louis Herman Watt here through till 10am this morning. Plenty of goodness coming up. We still want to talk Joseph Parker. We're going to talk Kevin Mialamu. Yeah, the big man's getting into the ring. Monty Beetham up to his old tricks. Kempi's going to get a good yarn out of Monty about his days at Carlaw Park. We're asking you what your earliest memories and your fondest memories of Carlaw Park are. Yeah, an incredible establishment or, I guess, a place in New Zealand sporting history. And that's where we're broadcasting from, just around the corner on Stanley Street here. Now, whether it's Carlaw Park for you, it was Jade Stadium for me. What is your hometown stadium and, you know, whether it's the Ruakaka races or whether it's Wingatui, um, Omakau, where's your local joint that you grew up on and what would the smell? Give us some really kind of defined memories from those days, double eight, double three. Here's Michael coming through. I remember the days of Athletic Park. Yeah, well, Wellingtonians, I'm sure, would be up and about for that. Uh, plenty to get through this morning, Tony. It's a pleasure to have you here and we'll get to Harrison's text on Joseph Parker shortly. But... Let's start this hour with a bang. He's a busy man. He's always busy, so we won't waste too much of his time by uh, giving him a, a long intro or telling him how great he is. Jamie Richards, though, <laughs> he uh, he's he's trained premierships for fun. He's done such a good job with Tiako Racing, but also building the profile of the sport. Ultimate professional, a, a really talented young person in not just New Zealand racing, but New Zealand sport. And on Friday, the news came out that he is off to Hong Kong. He's been granted a training license up there, which is one of the holy grails for ambitious young trainers or any trainers in the world. He's off to Hong Kong uh, next year. We're coming towards the end of this year, and he's joined us on this program this morning. Morning, Jamie. How you doing, man? Good, Louie. How's things? Yeah. Oh, I'm good. How was your weekend? Did you get some re- relaxing, re- uh, re- you know, recreational time after your big announcement on Friday? Oh, no, not really. Uh, pretty pretty full-on weekend, getting back to everybody. Lots of um calls and texts and emails and everything sort of you know wishing you well and congratulations so um no we're uh it's all out now it's been secret for a little while so um glad that the news out and looking forward to the challenge what's how do you go holding a secret are you because you, you're you're a you're a pretty sensible bloke did you struggle to keep it from people you know like was it tough kind of knowing that you have this huge life move and decision uh coming up and you, you know not really be able to talk about it too openly yeah, it was a bit of a challenge, but um, basically, you know, the, the Hong Kong Jockey Club said, you know, if it, if it gets out before we announce it, then we'll just, um, you know, pretty much say that we've got no, yeah, no, no idea what's going on. So um, standard uh, yeah, media, so standard media quiet. talk. <laughs> yeah, so uh, no, it's, it's yeah, it's, it has been a challenge, but glad that it's out now, and um, you know, it just makes things a lot, a lot easier. So look forward to the future. Hey, Jamie, it's Kempi here, mate. They got a saying in Taranaki. It's called. Teletext, telegram, or tell Alan, and then it, there's no secrets, mate. <laughs> you probably heard you probably heard that one down there, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, I think I might. <laughs> hey, mate. So tell us how does it how it how does it go? Do you go up there and you walk into a, a organised group of multi billionaires racing racehorses, or just tell us a little bit of how 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 it works up there? Um, yeah, the biggest thing for me is that we won't be able to take any owners from um, everybody that races a horse in Hong Kong is granted a permit um, from the Hong Kong Jockey Club and to be granted a permit you have to be a member of the Jockey Club so uh, it's quite a sort of prestigious uh, club I guess there's um, uh, you know a lot of a lot of very wealthy members um, 
but it'll be about starting new relationships and um, meeting new people and um, importantly trying to get some some high quality horses in the stables so uh, it's, a, it's a completely different way of doing things than, than down here um, the vetting um, in terms of vetting the horses is very stringent to, to get into racing in Hong Kong because they do race on on quite firm tracks so they need to be you know good correct horses with you know good vet reports so um, yeah it's going to be going to be completely different but um yeah, it's going to be a good challenge and, and certainly something that we're really looking forward to. How honest are you being with yourself about the size of the challenge that it's going to be? Like, you know it's not going to be easy, but uh, are you, is there any nerves or too much to deal with before then? Oh, I'm certainly, you know, pretty nervous. I don't know whether to be excited or scared or, or sad or some somewhere in between all of those sorts of emotions. But um, um, basically, though, it's an, an opportunity to, to earn a lot of money and um, set ourselves up for the future. So... Um, you know, the, the stake money in New Zealand isn't great. Um, mm. If you were to say that the minimum stake in New Zealand is probably ten or 12,000, well, it's probably 10 times that mm. um, in, in Hong Kong. So that's the reality of it. And, um, you know, we, we want to get up there and enjoy the challenge, but also um, plan for the future as well and, and, and hopefully set, us, set ourselves up. Well, we'll circle back to Danielle, and I know she'll be definitely, well, you'll be hoping she'll be part of that future as well with you uh, in Hong Kong. But um, I know you're really close to your family, Jamie, and I know they've had a, a huge input in the man you are, but also the trainer you are with your dad there being such a hand, and Libby as well, and your mum, Leanne. Is there any chance they come up, or what's the deal there? Um, no, no, they, they, they can't come up, unfortunately, but... Um they can certainly come up for a visit. Um, so, yeah, the, there's pretty strict protocols around who's employed and, and how they're employed, and, and um, mainly the staff will be, um, you know, Chinese. Um, there may be a couple of expats floating around, but um, the, the main bulk of the staff will be Chinese and we'll have to work closely with, a, with an assistant trainer. I think that's going to be a really important part of it to, to get a good assistant trainer and we'll start interviewing and stuff when we get up there so um, hopefully it all sort of fits in together quite well but we've got you know plenty of people on the team there that um, have got lots of experience in Hong Kong um, whether it be you know Danny Rolson from New Zealand Bloodstock or, or Andy Williams um, there's a lot of you know different people that we can bounce ideas off and, and looking forward to um, going through that process. Well, if the money's right, mate, you're looking for a leading hand, I'll send you my uh, email address. You can throw, <laughs> throw it that way as you're talking all money and dollars up there. Hey, but a, cl- a question closer to home, Jamie. What's what, what do you think the one thing the industry needs to do to, to protect the integrity of our trainers um, and our people that work in the industry down here? If the stakes are so low, what what does New Zealand racing have to do um, so we don't lose the likes of you to, to Hong Kong and the Chris Wallers to, to Australia? Um, well, prize money drives everything. Um, prize money drives new investment, drives uh, ownership opportunities. So that's that's where the bulk of it's got to come from, um, and that's got to be led, you know, from the industry to, to show that we're doing the right thing, producing the right product, um, you know, increasing wagering. But ultimately, there's got to be some some government input as well. Um, and, and I think that's where Australia is is extremely lucky that. Um, uh, they've got the backing of, of um, you know, not only the sort of national government, but also the state governments and, and uh, New South Wales and, and Victoria and this massive sort of tussle, I guess, to be the, the leading states where where prize money is. And, it, and it's been, you know, incredible for the industry that they've had those sort of guys going toe-to-toe and, and announcing prize money increases all, all over the show. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a mixture of things, but... Um, 
ultimately at, at the moment New Zealand is a, is a great place to um, raise and grow thoroughbreds, people within the industry um, that we're you know, heavily re- reliant upon, upon exports. So um, it's not going to be an overnight fix, but certainly what Winston did for us with the Racing Act and, and the way things are going is a step in the right direction. Mm, yeah, you're right. It's not an overnight fix, and one day you'll be able to come home with your pockets full and help us out and sort it all out. Um, talk to me about what's going to happen with your partner, Danielle Johnson. She's, um, and this could be a question for her, you might tell us to go and, and ask her, and that's fair enough, but she's going to be heading with you as far as I can tell. She's a prominent and a very, very competent jockey in the, you know, leading the premiership or right there in the mix. So she's going to head up, and will she be part of the business, or, you know, is she going to. Well, is, is there a is there an avenue here for her to kind of get in and do some work, or what's that situation looking like? Yeah, not not really sure at this stage, Louis. Like she's certainly going to come up, and, and at this stage, it'll just be as my partner, and we'll you know just make a good go of it up there. Um, there's been no mention of, of her riding or anything like that at, at this stage. So um, yeah, there's there's not really too much to to discuss there. Mm. Um, we're just looking forward to the challenge and. and uh, Hopefully it all goes well and we can have a bit of luck and, and train some nice horses. Yep, fair enough. Now, uh, one thing I would be curious to know is Tiaka has obviously been a huge part of your life and you've had some amazing horses that David's purchased and I'm sure they've been supportive during this process and they're getting Mark Walker back, who I know has been a mentor to you. So that side of things about how it's all played out, you've been happy and felt supported along the way? Absolutely, yep. And it's you know it's, it hasn't been, a, a, I guess, an easy um process you know we've been sort of working on how do we get you know the best situation for, for everybody concerned and, and mainly the, the owners of all the horses here who have invested so much money with us and I think that the way that it's worked out you know to be fair to everybody it's just been perfect really we couldn't have asked for much more with Mark coming home and Donna taking over the reins in Singapore so it's been quite a, a, a drawn out sort of process with the Hong Kong Jockey Club so it's you know, there's been plenty of work involved, but um, everything's fallen into place. You know, right when it's needed to. I think. How do you? How does the process work? About do you know when you're going and like your living situation and that sort of thing? Is there a lot of support from the Hong Kong Jockey Club as far as the operational side of you actually getting there? Yeah, yeah. So all of that will become a lot clearer, I guess, in the next couple of weeks. Everything's sort of been been under pretty tight wraps. Um, but now that it's out in the open, I think things will start to become a bit more, you know, a bit clearer. Um, so there's, you know, we'll, we'll live in an apartment that's on the on the race course where, where most of the jockeys and trainers um, live at Shatin, and you know how we go about sourcing horses and doing all of that sort of stuff will will become a lot clearer in the in the next couple of months as well. So um, yeah, it's going to be going to be a challenge. There's going to be a lot of changes, but it's something that we're looking forward to. Uh, one thing that we just had a question come through from a listener on the west coast, and they wanted to know will you be running sort of updates on how you're going? And I'm sure you're, you're a younger guy, is pretty competent on. Social media and that sort of thing, people will be able to follow along with what you're doing. Yep, yep, they will, and we'll, we'll certainly certainly see how all of that um, certainly see how all of that plays out. I think we're going to have to be going to be active on the on the social media platforms to you know encourage new um, encourage new you know Chinese clients as well. So it'll be an opportunity for everybody to be to be kept up to date. And, you know, it's very easy to do that. You know, now through through social media, probably easier than it has been. In, in years gone by, so um, yeah, we'll certainly be keeping in, in touch with with home, and you know, you never forget where you come from. Is there a chance that we see the Karakamili and two-year-old winner step out today, Jamie? A dollar fifty. Time flies has been crunched in. How's are we are we good to go today? A couple of false starts so far with the time test gelding. 
Yeah, um, happy with him. Work's been good. Um, he's ready to go. Uh, he's drawn well. Should get a nice soft run from from a good gate. So no reason why he can't can't run well. Um, and yeah, we need to sort of see him step up and get going today because we've got to get some money in the bin. Absolutely, mate. Hey, thanks so much for your time this morning. And, and fingers crossed that that Ifraj Philly gets the Boxing Day at Ellerslie. We might see you for a jar. Um, congratulations, mate. I know you would have been dealing with messages all weekend. Appreciate you taking the call this morning. It's pretty exciting for New Zealand racing. And um, yeah, go really well. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Louie. Thank you. Have a good day. All the best. There you go. Jamie Richards, he's off to Hong Kong. Busy people, these horse trainers. And uh, that's... Um, Pretty exciting. I'm pretty proud, to be honest, Tony, because he's a young guy who's come up through racing. He's got a good family around him. He's had good horses to train, but always been ambitious. And I think the fact that Hong Kong, the Hong Kong Jockey Club has actually reached out to a young New Zealand trainer says a lot about the industry, not just the horse exports we're growing, but the people that we are grooming and kind of making as an industry. Yeah, our stake money not be, might not be high, and you might listen to some things Jamie said there and say, well, it's quite concerning that he feels like this is what he has to do to set his future up. But for me, I'd look at the glass half full side of it, that we've produced someone that's capable of training in one of the most famous parts of the world. There's a lot of pressure. You don't just get an invite for a few, you know, not just anyone gets an invite. I'm really proud and I'm pretty excited to be honest. Well, he gets a, he gets a stake, doesn't he, in the, in the wins. I think if you listen to the conversation, he's talking about the stakes that have been paid here in New Zealand and obviously he's getting a few winners, but he's getting a very small amount of money on the back end of it because that's how he's getting paid apart from the training fee. So, you know, he's, what's he say, 10, 11, 12 times the money in one race. He, he's got to go, go and get one winner a day to pay what he's had to probably get in three or four race means here in New Zealand. So... Um, you can hear the ambition in his voice, you know, and I think they've done their homework and said, well, where is the next Chris Waller? Wow. You know what I mean? Where is, 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 you know, Jamie Richards steps up and he does this for us. And it, and he said it two or three times in there, it's all about my future. Mm. We set ourselves up for the future. That's why him and Danielle are going up there. So I'm all the best to him, mate. You know, you take a challenge, he wants it. Um, the big Big city, big bright lights. You know, it's not going to be easy. The thing I like, the thing I like about him too, is that he's current. He talks about social media. You know, he's. I've watched him when he's. You know, I've got a couple of mates that own horses with him, and they show me. You know, he he gives an update on what the horse is doing. Just like you, when you asked there about that two year old that's running around today, it sounded like I was watching one of his videos. It's exactly he gives you the correct update. It's 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 on the money. It's it's current, and he uses all the current platforms. And you know, you've got a trainer here that's. You know, you want you want to bring people into the game. You've got to put your face out in front of them. They've got to see you every day. So just to make it really clear for anyone listening, um, so Jamie Richards, he works for Tiaco, which is run and owned by David Ellis, uh, Karen Fenton Ellis, DC. I've got a great support network. They have these beautiful horses you'd see in the tangerine, those uh, kind of orange and, and bluey silks. Jamie Richards is their head trainer. Previously, Mark Walker, who has been up in Singapore, has been their head trainer. He's one of the finest judges of juvenile horses, of yearlings. He's an unbelievable, astute trainer. He's, he's kind of got it all in his gut and in his head. He knows what's going on. He's coming back to New Zealand to take up the operation. So the probabils, um, you know, the, the time flies, these horses that are trained by Tiakel's operation will stay here. Jamie made that very clear. You can't take any New Zealand horses up there. To train a horse or to have a horse in Hong Kong, you have to be a licensed owner, which I believe you can only do if you're from the region. So Mark comes back. I will be interested to see what Tiakel's stable does as far as performance. There's a chance that it just stays exactly the same. It might get better. It might slightly get worse. But the horse flesh stays in New Zealand. Mark Walker is an extremely competent and one of our greatest trainers. He's coming back. Donna Logan, another good New Zealander. She takes over the operation in Singapore where Mark Walker's been. 
So the moral of the story is the owners get looked after. They're not losing any horse IQ. Um, Jamie Richards, one thing he said that I picked up is an assistant trainer is going to be key. He speaks about people as though he understands he can't do everything himself. And what he will try and do is if he can gain a percentage here or two or get a little bit ahead with who he's using and the people he's surrounding himself with, he will do that. So... He's not going to try and go up there and be a hero, Kempi, which I love. No, he's and he's building a team. You know, it's, I mean, like talking to Alan all the time about racehorses is like talk, talk, talking to a coach with a with a team of players and you know, Tavi Tavi Frodo's this little little halfback, but he's got a heart of gold sure. and he's just going to try. You know, run run like a wing every day. Um, and the way that they train, the way they de- that they prepare, it's just not up to them. They've got a stable of people around them that make the whole operation work. And and he's made that nice and clear there, Jamie, that it's all about the people that, that um, he can encourage to come and help him win up there. But one, I think one of the things that he made really clear was that they've they've come to him and they've got a setup, mm-hmm. you know, and he's, he's really confident that he's going to go up there and he's going to give it a decent crack and he's been given that opportunity to do that. So, um, th- you know, what is he, 33? They're, they're 33, 34, you know, what a what a fantastic opportunity. You know, let's say he goes up there for 10 years, he's come up, he's set, he come back, he's set for life. You know, he's got to walk straight back into the top job here. But the interesting question is like, how do you stop New Zealand trainers from doing that? Because you, know, you really want some some of the best ones to stay here, don't you? We've got all these race courses around New Zealand. We've got these small, you know small. It's almost like it's almost like how do we keep our top league our top league talent not going over to play for Australian clubs? And it's a question about where New Zealand's sport professionalism professionalism how much money we can offer across different codes. And we just we can't hang. We can't compete necessarily when it comes to the finance, the opportunities, the marketing, the you know the the brand endorsements you get. But we can't also, in league, in rugby, in what's happening in rugby, the Japanese top league is going bonanza in racing. We can't just be a feeder country. For- Which is what we are. And that's what that's what I mean. Like you know, what what do you what do you, what do the Allen Sharks from Taranaki do? What you know, do they move to a bigger centre? You know, what what is the government doing around supporting the racing industry? Do they make the stakes a hell of a lot more attractive? Like New South Wales and Victoria mm. have gone to scrap to see where the best horses go. So, I, I think something will happen in that space, and I hope it happens sooner rather than later. It's a really interesting conversation. Double eight, double three, or the Kennard Tire phone line oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Where do you see this heading? How do we stop just being kind of a feeder nation, a top horse flesh? talent heading overseas, do we need to retain them or do we just need to accept this is where we're at? And when Jamie has filled his pockets up, people like himself, he wants to move home, you know, we welcome him back and we take the knowledge and that's how we build our generational knowledge. Uh, really interesting conversation, Double eight, double three, the Kennard's high phone line, 0800 150 Good young trainer going to do something very special up in Hong Kong. Got a great text here from Harrison on Joe Parker, Kempi. I'm going to read it to you after this. We are here with Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. You are listening to SCNZ, the summer breakfast. Tony Kemp is here, and I am Louis Herman. What we're here at 10 a.m. this morning, a little bit doing the extra work. Uh, we don't mind the mahi here. Talking, um, what's New Zealand becoming on the sporting stage? Jamie Richards heading off to Hong Kong. The thought just occurred to me, in cricket, Kempi, these New Zealanders like Kane Williamson, the, the top players, New Zealand cricket's embraced that. They've lent into that, and they said, go play in the IPL, mm-hmm. fill your pockets and come back. Is there any scope somehow potentially of trainers to do the same thing? Sabbatical during the season, is that where New Zealand racing needs to look? Interesting thought. And here's a text here on the boxing. Really enjoyed this morning the boxing chat. Thanks, Louis and Tony. It was exciting to see Joe moving with some real snap and purpose the way when he saw an opportunity. My hope was to see him, his capabilities and the chance to get him out of there early, but they didn't call where he... 
They don't call what he got no reason. The balance issues look fixed, and the results was known with four rounds to go. So Joe shut up shop and made certain he wouldn't get his walk on the line, which makes sense. Oh, it does. It does, and I think... Um you know, with four rounds to go, I think I think maybe six rounds to go. I think Joe had it. You know, had it. He was always in control of the fight. So, you know, he, basically what Harrison's saying here is that he he put it in the bank. You know, he put it all in the bank and made sure. Even the last round when they throw in hell for leather with you know the the last thirty seconds to go, Joe Joe knew that he had him covered. You know, there wasn't enough power left, and Chisori had taken that all out of him. You know, I'm I'm just really surprised in the resilience of Chisora, to be brutally honest, because you know. The, he obviously wanted to try and win that fight, Trezor. Um, he probably saw the writing on the on the wall after that sixth round. I thought, man, this kid can box. So, you know, great text from Harrison there, just saying, you know, for me personally, you know, another Kiwi stepping up on such a big stage in the heavyweight division. You know, David Tua. You know what I mean? That that was the last time we saw someone. Um, with the ability, and again, Joseph Parker, he's going to take us to those dizzy heights. Let's hope he gets another world shot. Do you World title th- shot. Did you do you have any uh, theory on what Derek Chisora was doing in the corner? Was he pinning himself up against the post? Is I think that- w- I think what he was trying to do with that overhook, that overhand right, was he's trying to suck him in. You know what I mean? He's trying to suck him into a corner so that he could get the reach to him because he didn't have the reach. So, and Joe was onto it early on in the rounds. So I don't know if you saw it, but he stepped back he, from a couple of big uh, haymakers. That's right. That come over the top, and they'd done their homework. Fury had done his homework. So, you know. Was it working for Tresor? I, I don't think so. Joe's hands are too quick, mate. When you go and park yourself on the ropes, Joe's just going to pick you off. Well, here's the thing, though. He's done it, and he's kind of stood there knowing that he's got 40 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds left. What it's in the round. It happened a few different times when he got wobbly. He goes and plants himself in the corner, knowing he can lean on the post and stay, hold himself up. And also, Joe's kind of going, I don't want to come too close here in case he tags me with something I don't want. Well, that was genius. I thought it was really kind of savvy from an old war horse, a guy who understood what he needed to do to give himself a chance to be in the fight you know what he nearly nicked it L- looking at the scorecards if Joe hasn't staggered uh, knocked him down three times there's a chance that this is a, a, a like one of the great upsets in New Zealand sport and 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 that's the beauty about boxing isn't it? just a split second can change the the face of a fight and Chisora was trying to entertain that with the the way that he he hung on the ropes and threw those overhand um bombs to try and get one on Joe so you know good on good on Joe you know, good that he he didn't get hit. Um, but I, but look, I, I think he sucked up a bit too, Joe. But he took a lot out of him. He took a lot out of Chisora with those those um, that boxing, that, them quick hands that Joe Parker has. Harrison's come back. They don't call him Derek War Chisora for nothing. Couldn't agree more, Harrison. <laughs> that's that's bang on, mate. He was uh, an absolute warhorse out there, and gee, it was an entertaining fight. What did you make of it, Joseph Parker? How about this? Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. What is next for Joe Parker? What's the fight that makes sense? Sense. Send us a text, double eight, double three, or give us a call even better, 0800 150 811, the Kennards higher phone line. Choices flooring poles not far away. We've also got Scotty Aitchison, who's playing a lot of golf today for a very good cause coming up. Monty Beatham in the next hour. Plenty to come here on the Summer Breakfast. Right now it's the news with Trudy for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand.
Yeah, welcome back into Summer Breakfast on SCNZ. Hey, it's not summer if you don't rip out some old classics, you know, your kind of your road tripping tunes, your Zeppelins, your ZZs, your Pearl Jams, your Chilies, the good stuff. You'll hear a bit of this throughout the week here on SCNZ. Louis Herman Watt joined by Tony Kemp, Lee Great in studio. I'm talking all things this morning, racing, Carlaw Park, your famous, your memories of your famous old stadiums. Where you kind of grew up, the smell of it, you know, you roll your own in the in the stand. You, geez, the stench of that uh, that bourbon that's been spilt on you, trying to just head back up. And it's what about standing on the, some of those old terraces, pretty much facing down to the ground, wondering if you're going to concrete terraces. Even even the wooden old railway stand there, they used to smoke in it. You know, geez, a, <laughs> you'd be in a bit of trouble these days smoking on a wooden stand, wouldn't you? Absolutely, you would. Uh, Brendan's come through. Any any tips for a multi time flies, but the odds are a bit short. Yeah, we'll flesh that out later in the show. Brendan, stay in tune. And Rory's come through. Joe Joyce has to be the next fight for Parker. Cheers. Well, who's who is Joe Joyce, mate? Give us a call. Oh eight hundred one five zero eleven. Rory, come through and let us know exactly what's going on and why he should be doing it. Right now, it's time every Monday. It is to get into our weekend choices flooring poll. See your floor change in an instant with Room View choices flooring. Head there and find out more. Um, now, I have to whip a poll out here, Tony, but to be completely honest, there's so much going on over the weekend. We're going to do this on the fly a little bit. I'm thinking something like this. Head to Baz Nizzy for breakfast on Twitter. Joe will get this up online or text us double eight double three. Who made the biggest statement over the weekend? When I say statement, I'm kind of going to say announcement, statement. Who made the biggest statement? Has to be a Kiwi. Uh we can go like this. We'll go Joe Parker in his return to the ring. I think he made a huge statement. Jamie Richards, he's making a statement. He's, yeah. he's accepting an offer to train in Hong Kong, and I think there's reasons that you heard in that interview, mostly financial and setting up his future. That's a big statement about where we're at. Kivi Mialamu, he's making a statement. He's not gone away. We're going to talk to Monty Beetham about Kevin Mialamu's embarking on a boxing career. And I need a fourth. And I was going to say maybe Coventina Bay, but then I thought that might be a bit sore for you. Ooh. No, no, no. Just, that's, a, you know, coming back from Brisbane after an unsuccess, uh, unsuccessful campaign and then making a statement like that, you know, it's a group two. Okay, bang. There we go. There's our options. So who made the biggest statement over the weekend? Double eight, double three, or get head to Baz Nizzy for breakfast on Twitter and vote. Uh, this is for the Choices Flooring Poll. Uh, po- um, t- that's cool. You're pikey there. I look more like Alan Sheriff than I do the pikey. Don't worry about that. Um, Kimby, who do you reckon? Who made the biggest statement? Parker, Jamie Richards, Kivi Mialamu, or Coventina Bay? Oh, Hands down for me, Joe Parker for sure. No, well, you're not Tyrone Woodley. Get your hands up. No, you, Joe, Joe Parker, mate. I'm, I'm not sitting on the fence with it. Joe, Joe Parker had too much to lose. If he if he doesn't go out and make a statement in this fight, people forget about him. You know what I mean? The, the, and the way that he did it, he had to do it up in the, in the in northern parts of England with a with a fan base that was totally against them, and everyone's on War Trezor's side. You know what I mean? So, I think the way that he did it was the most. Um, uh, pleasing factor when you know it, it was a fight you didn't want to turn off. It was a fight that you didn't want to stop listening to. Um, you wanted him to have the knockout. You know what I mean. So it had everything that a, a heavyweight match uh, that you're watching ha- uh, has, and it was a Kiwi boy called Joseph Parker. So you know, I, I, I love Jamie. I think he's doing a fantastic job down here. Kevin Mialamu, who's he box? Gallon? Does he take on Sonny <laughs> Williams? We'll ask, you know, we'll, we'll ask, ask him those, those questions. And yeah, you know. 
um, Covertina Bait. There's a group two. It wasn't a group one. Has she put Just Ask Me out for a spell? Oh, mate. I'd put the jockey up, me personally, but... We've got to go and have it. We've got to get Alan Sharrick on. I want to hear Alan and you. I'll just I'll just seat back oh, into, the, into the curtains. I'll just hand it over. Maybe he can come and guest host. He's too busy for that. Um, oh, look, to be honest, can be, I completely agree. I think Joseph Parker is hands down, as you said, Tyrone Woodley hands at my ankles, is Joe Parker the statement of the weekend. He... Um, the way he talked about what he was going to do, but then came out and did it, and I was being hypercritical when I said he did. I still think he did kind of relax and just chill out a bit. There was a couple of rounds. He didn't go missing, but he definitely, I think, could have pushed a bit harder. But that's hypercritical, and I don't really know what I'm talking about. So for the major majority of it, he said he was going to come back and make a statement, and I think he has. So Coventina Bay, yep, she's returned from Brizzy in that turn of foot, or mm. she's a good, good mare. Well, it was a soft nine, so you know, very, very smartfully. Yeah, good mare. Uh, Jamie Richards, I think there is a statement, but I think this is more about opportunity. I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not hitting panic base buttons about the state of New Zealand racing. I might for other reasons, but, you know, like the Trentham situation, for example. Mm. But uh, for this, I think this is just a great opportunity. And Kivi Mialamu, I mean, yeah. I've seen the video. He's in Unreal Nick, but I want to see him get in the ring and make a statement first. So there's mine. Who, are you, who do you think's made a statement? Double eight, double three. There's a couple of great texts here. Stephen Gizzy. Mark's got one on Joe Parker as well. We'll get to that shortly. Scott Aitchison, he's playing golf for a very good reason today. We're going to catch up with him just after this. It is the Summer Breakfast on SCNZ. Tony Kemp and Louis Herman Watt. You are listening to SCNZ, and we're happy to be here with you. It is quarter to nine this morning. Um, we've got Stephen McIver coming up after 10 o'clock and a big day here on SCNZ. Ricardo and Beeve getting stuck in as well. Hey, someone that's got a big day today, and he's doing it for a very good reason. Today is the longest day challenge, and Scott Aitchison, well, he's one of our commercial managers here. He is going to be playing a lot of golf, 72 holes to be exact, at Akarana Golf Club. To donate, visit longestday.org.nz and search SENZ. Every donation we receive will go towards cancer research, prevention and support services for people, real-life Kiwis, who need our support the most. HE is a certified ripping bloke. It doesn't surprise me that you're embroiled in this sort of goodwill, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, good morning, Louie. Good morning, Kempe. Thanks for the call, boys. Yeah, like you said, Lou, 72 holes uh, and 18 down, mate. So got up at the crack of dawn, got down here to uh, Akarana, which is my local club here in Auckland City. Um, the team here have been nothing but nice in regard to booking out four tea times, which is reasonably absurd. But as you said, mate, it, she's for a good cause. So, um, yeah, big thanks to the Akarana team and, and ch- obviously trying to make race of awareness and race the money for what is, I guess something that's affected can affect any of us, and, can, and if you haven't hasn't affected you, I'm sure it's affected someone uh, that you know. So, look, mate, just trying to do my bit uh, for SEN. I'm going solo for the first couple of rounds, and then Steve Donald reckons he's going to come down with uh, some lunch and play nine with me, as well as a couple of the other commercial teams. So, good start to today. Awesome, Scotty. Great work. It's a great cause. And, uh, gee, you'll be finished by 6 o'clock on picking if you've already got around 18 already. Got a, got a few more to go. How are you, how are you keeping the fluids up? Who's, who's, who's the runner for yeah, you? Yeah, mate. Mate, well, that's the thing. I'm, like I said, I've got rolling solo for the first little bit, um, getting down the waters. Um, and uh, I think that's when um, Beaver Donald is uh, going to come in pre-show uh, before his afternoon slot and uh, and, and bring a cart. He reckons he's got a cart organised for me. Um, a few sweets, 
Um, hopefully a few refreshments, maybe. <laughs> but uh, no, mate, I, I tell you what, I, I got around and cracking, and like it was quite something quite kind of therapeutic getting up this early in the morning and, and, and playing 18 holes by yourself. Had ECN on, the ECNZ on in the background, and, and just chip my way around the course with a bit of two ball. But I've got myself a scorecard now, and we'll, we'll get into the business and we'll try and lower that handicap for the summer. Yeah, well, that's what I'm actually wondering. So you're doing this for an extremely good cause, but you love your golf. I know you've been absolutely frothing it, frothing it of late, H. So do you think your golf's still going to glow? At what stage during the 72 hole, what number hole do you think you'll be at your best before you fall off the cliff again? Well, I'm glad you brought this up, Lou, because I've actually got a few, like, like I said, a few people are going to come join me later on in the day as a bit of a morale boost. And a couple of the boys have actually put a text out, just, you know, just asking me if I'm okay. Um, you know, how, how are spirits? And look, I'm thinking that, that last, so my last tea time is going to be um, around 5 o'clock. So I might be done, apparently I should be done by about 8 o'clock. So it is a ridiculously long day, and spirits are pretty high now. But, I mean, I guess at the end of it, you know, I like, like you did say, Lou, I am passionate about my golf. I love ripping around the course, but... Look, I am doing something that I'm, uh, you know, lucky enough to rip around and do something that I'm passionate about and in a sport that I love. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, it is for the cause, um, uh, you know, the longest day challenge from the Cancer Society. And actually, the Cancer Society um, folks are going to pop down in and around lunchtime to say good day as well. And, um, you know, if, if, like, like you said before, make sure you get online, get on to thelongestday.org.nz. Throw us a couple of bucks for you know, it all affects us all in uh, one way or another. Scotty, are you are you are you a Donald Trump type golfer? Do you sort of have like you know the tapping tapping all yeah. the ten putt putts, like call it a, a mulligan, or you know what? Who who's your favourite golfer? Who, who do you who do you base your game on? Um, look, I'm anywhere between. Uh, I'm like a hybrid sort of golfer, Kimpy. I'm like a a John Daly when it comes to uh, refreshments, <laughs> probably post Hopefully not your durries. Um, <laughs> I, no, no, no. I don't doubt, mate. I don't even vape. But, uh, um, and maybe a cross between a, yeah, a hybrid of a John Daly, uh, maybe a Justin Thomas for the banter, and uh, maybe... I'll tell you what. i tell you one thing, and this is, this is a true story. So when I play with my mates, I'm not, I'm not the handiest golfer. I play for like a 20, so I'm, I'm more of a social guy when it comes to golf. But I was hitting some cracking shots on the back nine, and there was no one to see it, so I was quite disappointed. <laughs> um, so you don't like a crowd, yeah, mate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cave, yeah. You cave when know, the crowd's this around. Is, this is a lose-lose situation, because no one's going to believe I was, you. I was looking, because there was still the, 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 um, the groundsmen, the um, greenkeepers were still kind of attending to a few of the greens and stuff like that, so I had to kind of wait for them. And, and all of a sudden, I'd hit an approach shot, you know, like a nice little eight iron in, and I'd got it about five feet from the hole and I'm looking around going, Can you not see that? It's like <laughs> I'm it's kind of basking in my own glory really. So um I mean, you just got to really. Oh, to be, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't have a GoPro strapped to your head. Um, <laughs> yeah, AG, that's why you. Well, that was, that was, that was going to be obviously um, my previous employer uh, has uh, sorted me with a, with a few cameras. Uh, but uh, look, like I said, I was going to document it, but uh, instead I'll, I'll just try and get get around. That, that's just kind of what I'm going to do. Get through four four rounds of golf. I've done two rounds before, and that was reasonably. Um, uh, adventurous, uh, to say the least. But um, yeah, look, four rounds. Um, the boss has given me a day off, uh, but I guess ultimately it's all for uh, the Cancer Society.
Yeah, good man. Uh, to donate, visit longestday.org.nz, search SENZ. Every donation, as we say, will go towards cancer research, prevention and support services. HE put it perfectly. If it hasn't affected you directly, you will know someone that it has and it's something we do care about. So good luck, mate. Um, you've got all our support here at SENZ Summer Breakfast and we'll be going to chip in, donate. I, I won't come out there and distract you with my hideous swing because nobody needs that. You need morale's <laughs> high, not um, you know to be puking in a bucket, but... <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get on there. We'll get on there and flick your sling. Well done, H.E. Good on you, boys. You've uh, timed it perfectly. I'm about to tee off for my uh, step around of the day. So, yeah, well, boys, Merry Christmas, and uh, we'll talk soon. Go the lad. Well done, mate. There he is, Scott Aitchison, doing something very special for a good cause. Appreciate his time. There's some great texts here on Joseph Parker and also a Choices for Him poll. We're going to come back and get to those in a second. Kempe, stay right here. You're listening to the Summer Breakfast. We are eight and a half minutes away from nine. Mm, yeah, sun, sand, and it's a beautiful day in the 09 here. Tamaki Makoto. Hope that the weather is good wherever you are around New Zealand. If you're going to head down to the Pukakoi races, let us know. Double eight, double three. What do you like? Brendan wants some cash. He wants to fill up. I'll scan the fields in the news break, Kempe. Um, there's a couple of nice messages here. You want to get through that one from Mark, Matt? Yeah, Mark just sent one in saying, you know, he thinks um, Joe should go for Anthony Joshua uh, after he's gone the distance last time, and I think the new version of Joe would take him out bigger, stronger, and just as quick. Um, yeah, look, I think it's a different fight, definitely. If you if you go on a Joshua, Joshua needs to fight. You know, like he's been disappointing, mate. That that, that fight he lost, um, Ursic, he just he wasn't. I don't think he. I t- think he took him too 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 lightly. I thought he was just going to go out there and beat him, and he got he got outboxed. And even that loss to Ruiz, you know, like when I watched Ruiz in that in that first fight, um, Anthony Joshua gets a little bit disorientated um, in his preparation sometimes. He says the right things. Like he sounds like he's going to go. You know, he's he wants to do it, but then you look at him sometimes and you go, does he want to be there? Yeah, and I, and I think the last time we fought Joseph Parker too, you know, like he was really cautious. He knew he knew that Joe had some him packing his punches and and kept away from him. He missed him with that uppercut. And you remember that? He's the same one that he mm-hmm. got um, the big Russian with to knock him out. Uh, and I just look, I think that's a, a really good text and a and a good option for Joe. You know, get back in the get back in the ring with Joshua and see and see what it's really like now that he's packed on the five Ks and he's and he's actually stepping into those punches. Craig from Todong has come through. Uh, Tyson Fury didn't fight 15 months yet retained the belt. Rules must change. Fight three times a year or give up the belt. Many heavyweights don't seem to take the fights. Craig, the politics of boxing and how, as, as I said, it's not just like looking a bloke in the eye and swinging. Like There is so much that goes on. Appreciate your message. Here's one regarding the, the Choices Flooring Poll. So we're asking who made the biggest statement over the weekend. And the choices were Joseph Parker, who you and me went for, Kimpy. We had Jamie Richards. He's off to Hong Kong. We had Kevin Mialamu. Monty Beetham's about to come on and talk about Kevin Mialamu. He's embarking on his own boxing career. And the fourth one was Coventina Bay after her big win in the group race at Awapuni. Uh, Steve from Gizzy's come through. Hey, guys, I think Tiger Woods playing golf again was a pretty big statement. Yeah, fair play, Steve. Did you see that? Oh, look, I did. I think the biggest statement's his son. Charlie. Uh, oh, mate, that could... That could Chip could, off the old block. I think I think Charlie Woods is is a name um, that we're, not, we're going to hear, be hearing a lot more of in the not-too-distant future. Here's a choices for and poll for you, Kiz. Get your mic ready. Who's going to be the better son athlete, Bronny James or Charlie Woods? Oh, that's that's a really, really tough one. I mean, I've been watching Bronny since he was about 12 just because of the social media hype that he's got in. I think he's really got the talent, but I might have to go with, with Woods. I've seen the video of them comparing the same mannerisms. They're exactly the same. So hopefully he can follow in Tiger's footsteps and uh, be the GOAT. Who's yeah. going to have the bigger wallet? 
Uh, Bronny. Bronny. Has to be. Has to be. NBA money hits different, I reckon. Oh, I don't know. They're golfers, mate. The Tiger Woods brand is worth a lot. That's producer Kears out the back in the kitchen. All right. Thanks for your time this morning. We've got Dave here. He's got a message we'll get to as well. Kevin Mialamu, a boxing career. I've seen the footage. He looks unreal. Monty Beethan's up to his old tricks. He's going to join us after the news. He's probably going to get the fright of his life when he hears you, Kempe. We're off to the news with <laughs> Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. It's a wonder you got him on. Morning to you. It is 9am here on formerly Baz and Izzy for breakfast. It will be again soon. It's the summer breakfast. Louis Him and Watt, and I'm joined by Tony Kemp in studio, who's a great contributor to our show, talking all things rugby league throughout the year. And he's off the pine during the summer. It's good fun, Tony. It's a uh, it's a nice day here in Auckland, and there's plenty of sport. Beautiful. Mondays are good days when you're sports fans, aren't they? They are. You've watched it all weekend. You know, you get a chance to recollect and reflect on... You know, some of the great stuff that's been happening. I think leading into, leading into Christmas, you know, Joe Parker fighting. It's the best time to watch the races with the spring carnival and going into some of the nice firm tracks. Um, and even better when you've got a horse run in a group too. So, you know, mate, great, great weekend. Just not a, not, not a great result. Yeah, excellent stuff. Just ask me. Involved there with Alan Sharrick and the crew down from the NAC. He had some awesome stories about where you grew up and then also where you grew up on the footy field. Carlaw Park, just around the corner here where we are broadcasting from. Um, double eight, double three is the text line. We still want to hear what you have to say about Joseph Parker and what you think is next. It's an interesting proposition. Uh, the boxing world is plenty to look at. Yesterday we had Jake Paul fighting. No matter what you think of the fight or you think of him, I'll tell you one thing, more eyeballs for sport can never be a bad thing. So he is a, he is a promoter and he is promoting the fighting sport. And I think deep down he does respect the craft. And I think you've seen that by how hard he is for somebody else who respects the craft and um, has for a long time is Monty Beetham. In another craft, in another arena, Kevin Mialamu, one of our greatest ever All Blacks, one of the greatest ever hookers to play the game, uh, a man of immense mana and well, <laughs> immense leadership abilities. Hearing as he speak about Kevin and the, the way he led that team, the All Blacks, through, well, I guess um, different times. And when he spoke, everybody listened. When he gets in the ring, which is what he's about to embark on, I'm sure people, a lot of people are going to stop and watch as well. We've seen a bit of footage. Monty Beetham is on the line. He's up to his old tricks. Monty, good to have you on the show this morning, man. Thanks for joining us. It's always nice talking to friends, Louis, Kempe. It's been too long, brother. Um, yeah, morning, Monty. I'm sure you guys will be, be great to listen to, so it'll be fun. I might have to tune in after this, actually. <laughs> oh, <laughs> can't believe you haven't tuned in already, brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, you're in holidays, you know, just gone for 5K run, Kempe, you know, go for my second one shortly. Oh, oh yeah, really. mate. You're, hey, still, you're still the best, Monty. Hey, hey Kempe, how about this? There's, there's the rumour mill swirling that Monty still plays a bit of social touch. Um, Plays, he, mate. He'd be captain. He'd, he, honestly, he'd be selector, coach, the whole lot, Monty. I'd, I'd hate to be running around next to him. He'd probably clipping you, still clipping you around the back of the ears if you don't give him the ball. Well, we have an eyewitness, and I might be that eyewitness. Gee, he was after it on Wednesday night down there at Cornwall Park. Um, he's in superb nick. A lot of sweat coming off you this time of year, though, Monty. Um, look, I'm all I do, which is superb, is I ring up Peter Walters, uh, the legend that he is, and I say, "Come and join my team, brother." And he came and joined my team, and he brings dash folders. And uh, no, but it's, but it's awesome, man, because I've got my little 15-year-old playing. Uh, we've got an 11-year-old, and we've got a, another 13-year-old amongst the team. We're all old, uh, mm. but you know we're still trying to do our best to sort of uh, play with our friends and our and, and the next generation. And we're really getting a kick out of that, man. 
Uh, and but when you got people like Walters and that, and, and and you're in a good tournament and the sun is shining, you're not in lockdown, eh? That's that's how it should be. Yeah, no, no, no. Here, here, mate. It was awesome. You guys had a great atmosphere about your team. It's awesome. And you're right. There was a the terrible weather leading up, and the sun came out. It's a lot of fun down there. So it was great to see you out and about, mate. What are you up to? You've um, got a wee project on the cards here with Kevin Mialamu. So tell us about this and where's this come from? How long have you guys been cooking this up? Yeah. Well, nothing weird about Kevin Mialamu. Um, you know, you, you, you spoke about him previously. Uh, what a what a high performance character. What a, what a guy who's very much perfectionist, and what a guy that's um, been liking boxing for some time. Uh, and how it got cooked up was um, there was an offer thrown at me to fight Paul Gallant, and as much as I would have loved to, oh, you should have that, taken it. Uh, I know, bro, but I, I had a, I had a head bleed a, a long time ago. That's why I gave up the sport, and I can't do it anymore. And um, then you know, as you do, you, you think about you know. Obviously, you love to be in the in the ring itself and, and fight and be in that that seat. But if you can't be in that seat, you go into the next best seat. And um, you know, I was doing a bit of uh, body sparring with uh, Kevin Mialama and Jimmy Spittle. And um, when Jimmy and I get into it, we're we're pretty fit. Jimmy's a, a, an elite athlete, and Kevin came in with the engine that he has and showed his ability and I was like man this guy is pretty good and I, and I saw that in my memory bank and then when I couldn't uh, fight um, Paul Gallen um, I gave Kevy a call because uh, that was offered up and I said hey would you like to do this and normally when you talk to rugby guys and I'm just going to say it there and then that um, they say no straight away I, I don't know what reason for but they say no but, but Kevy was he was adamant that he was really keen which was surprising boys He's a league boy, though. Eh? You know, he he come from league, surely. <laughs> Kevin, he's not. He's not. He didn't, he didn't come from rugby first up. He's too tough. He took it all, bro. He took it all. So that, now you know why, right? Yeah, exactly. So he was brought up, bro. Uh, you know, and we know how hard they are down there, my man. So um, look, he he's a very hard man. He's a student of the sport, which is which is pretty amazing. But like when I posted yesterday about this, and I wanted to be very grateful because you know dreams and and aspirations are, are one thing, but, you know, going after them is not free. Uh, and, and so we've got to just thank our good mate, Leo Malloy, and down there at headquarters who uh, commercially is getting behind us because, you know, Kevy and I are doing a lot of things and to take our time away from that, Kevy's doing governance, he's doing all sorts, um, and the time away from family, you've got to sacrifice a lot. So to have him on board, uh, to help us have that time to do that is good because you know we're we're not we're not young men. We've got family, we've got obligations, and we've got roles in the community that we've got to do well. Very much like a South Kempe. Mate, he's um, yeah, you, like you said, Monty. He's he's not a he's not a young man. Um, I sort of you know when I got sent that video yesterday, I was, the only fight I could see was Gallon, and I'm really disappointed you didn't jump in the ring with him, mate, because I know you would have tailed up Gallon. I would love nothing more to see that. So um, just tell us a little bit about. The the potential of Kevin, you know, with with what Gallon's done, because he can box, you know, Gallon can box, and he's got a massive engine on. How do you think Kev will go in the ring ring against him? What's his asset? Oh, it's, it's not going to be Gal versus uh, Kevin uh, right now. Um, that could be something later on down the track. But you look at Gal and what he's been able to do against a number of other fighters. It's because he's got that experience, because he's got that engine, because he's got that high performance and that mentality and that that lion heart. That is huge. Now, with uh, Kevin, he can match Gal in all those areas. Um, but also, I, I think in the first instance, when we wanted to fight Gal over three two-minute rounds, I believe we could have upset him. But obviously, with experience, like if you play 100 games of NRL, um, you know, you, you've got to do your time to, to get up to a certain point. And that's what we'd have to do against Gal. But as you see now, there's a lot of people out there sort of fighting 
uh, won in the celebrity type of circuit, uh, but also coming over and finding his professionals. Uh, you know, you've got Liam Messon, you've got Sonny Boy, you've got all sorts of other guys. So there's a lot of people there to fight. And if you look at YouTubers, um, you know, there's an area there. But like in our post last night, we were very adamant in saying that we want to uh, respect the sport and give them what to do there and do uh, the right thing by it as well. You know, we, we don't want to be a circus. We just want to prove that um, he's going to do the hard yard to come into it and, and uh, work his way through. But his attributes, bro, um, a very good student, Kempe, uh, big engine, um, very powerful unit, uh, big legs, big ass, which means that hmm. um, you know when he uses that well, uh, there's a lot of lot of force. Yeah, he's got he's got the, an interesting physique for it. How like I've got a couple of questions about the actual um, the dynamics of it. How heavy would he be, Monty? And what would he be fighting? What would you reckon his fighting weight would be at? Well, he's come down a little bit now, but that's because he's doing some training with me, and we've been training for a little while now, but. Um, uh, he's, he's probably about 106 kilos. Oh. Um, it's, fu- it's funny because you look at him and you think he looks about 90 kilos. Mm. Yeah. Um, but 106 is a powerful weight for him. Um, he's been as high as 112, but he, he, he likes to walk around at 106 a little bit more. Um, I'm not too bothered about the weight early on because, um, you know, Kevin's going to be a, a shorter sort of heavyweight when he comes out and fights, so he's got to be short. You know, when you are short like that, you just make yourself a little bit shorter, you'd be a less of a target, and, and you know, you've got the overhands, you've got all these sort of delayed punches that loop that aren't in the sort of vision of, of, of the taller fighter. So, uh, you know, there's, there's attributes that are good for us, and there's other things that are against us, uh, and age is one thing, but that's our thing with Kevin. Like, he wants to get in and get out and have a bit of fun, um, but also the mentality and how you approach this. It's not like the old days where it's old school, you get into the gym, you, you, you box and you beat the shit out of each other. Oh, can I say that? Or you, 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 you bash each other. It, it's, it's, it's Monty. Like it's, it's Monty like staying the toilets. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it's not like that, you know. Like, you can do this all in a controlled manner and in a specific way to, to make sure that your well-being is, is of importance as well. So who you got lined up? Well, there's a, there's a few people got lined up, man. Uh, but, you know, like, first and foremost, you've just got to get out there. And I know it's cliche, bro, one one step at a time. But, like, you know, like Kevin and I, you know, when we do something, we want to do it well. And I'm and, um, saying that we are going on a journey and we want to do it well. Like, we're not going to go and then dip our toes. Like, we want to have a real go. Um, so, but there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of options, man. But, um you got to, you got, first and foremost, you know, don't tell me, show me. You've you got to show that you're, you're, you're worthy. And, and although you can look all right on camera when you're doing an edited version or vid like we posted last night, as you know, Kippy, that's just one thing, man. There's a lot mm. more involved in the in the game of rugby league. was a lot more involved on the night under lights. But, you know, to, to have a centurion like that have a go and, and put his reputation on the line um, is is awesome, and plus the fact that he is an absolute perfectionist in what he does. You know, when he does something, he, he does it well. Um, you know, he would have been a good league player, man. I think there's a there's a couple of similarities. I'm just hearing you speak about Kev uh, Monty with Sonny Bill Williams. So we had Sonny on the show on Friday. He's over there with Joe, Joe, and it's incredible. As he said, I asked my wife, and that, and that was the first difference between him and Izzy Dag. Um, so he he shot off over there, and he said that he wants to give boxing a proper go, maybe fight five to ten times in the next two years, because whenever he's done it, it hasn't actually been his main focus. He's you know, always had something yeah. go- going on. Have you had any conversations or have you had any similar interactions with Sonny? And, and just from his perspective, do you think he could really give the sport a shake? 
I've been very lucky to have um, a lot of interactions with Sonny over the years, and especially in the gym. Um, early on, though, it's been hard for Sonny because of who he is um, and the criticism he cops. But it's also been hard, too, because he's been learning off code or he's been learning off people that um, don't know enough about the sport or he's been in and out of it and not immersing himself in it enough because, you know, he's a student of anything he does. Uh, so I have no doubt he's got the attributes uh, if he wants to be good at this and apply himself to it uh, to be very, very good. Um, he's a man mountain, very good fast twitch fibers. Uh, and because, you know, he's, he's in his uh, late thirties, but he hasn't boxed his whole life. Um, he's very hungry. He's excited about it. Uh, and he hasn't, he hasn't been hit like that, you know? So, um, I think, um, being the student he is with the X factor that he's got, if he wanted to, he could make a real go. But no, I don't, I don't know if he's got ambitions of being regional champion or, or, or trying to go for a world title, but in terms of uh, you know, fighting the likes of Paul Gallon and everything else, it's he's he's very capable, but he's he may run out of time because I know Gal's been through some of these hard fights, and mm. from what I'm hearing, he needs to get out because the thing about Gal is it's not the fights that you see under the lights; it's all the sparring he puts himself through. Like he goes to all the best gyms in Australia and he fights with the best guys. And you know what? Like when he goes with his mentality of I've got to go hard and go hard, that's old school, man. And I reckon he's he's copying a lot of hiding as well as dishing them out. And that's not good for your head, man. No, he's got a head like a pukiko cabbage, gal. And, and Sonny, <laughs> Sonny, Sonny Bill Williams would make it look even worse. Hey, Mom, we're talking about Carlo Park down here. You would have been one of the last games, I think, when oh, I coached that side, mate. <laughs> I, was telling the, I was just telling the story this morning. I was going to ask you the question. You remember the message that came down? Just take the take the listeners oh, yes, through that message. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I, I remember it was that bad that referee Billy Shrimpton. Was it Billy? Shrimpton? It was Billy, it was Billy Shrimpton. Shrimpton that's right. Yeah. Oh, mate. And I had pleasure in giving that message. By the way, <laughs> he was just giving it to us by the whistle. It was uh, the New Zealand Cares versus Tonga. Fui Fui Moi Moi was playing, uh, and um, it, was, it was a crazy. It was a crazy game, and they're trying to take a heads off. And it was an awesome game. Yeah, that's it. That would have been one of the last games. And I remember you said you get out there. You t- I can't remember what you said, Kippy, but I went over and I had great joy in saying it with the biggest smile on my face. And I tell you what, when I saw him. Uh, a few years later, and his wife, which was even worse, which was crazy. But, I mean, man, just let the game go, man. Like, it was just, it was ridiculous, bro. But, um, yeah, and the other thing with you, the other thing, too, I remember that big ball at um, uh, Mount Smart Erickson Stadium against the Broncos. And then I came off the field, and then you came down, and I thought, oh, jeez, I'm going to get it, I want to cop it, I'm going to be in trouble. Person you should just mate, man, get out there, you give it another go. <laughs> <laughs> You're a good man, Kimpy. Okay. It was okay then, though, Kimpy. It was okay. It was okay, okay. Mo- that's right. You lived in the last era, mate, when it was okay to go out there and throw throw a few punches. And yeah, that, that day, mate, this was one of the best days I ever Because, mate, I, I have had some run ins with referees, but to give my captain a message, what happened? I actually gave Monty a message. I said, just go out there and tell old Billy how bad he actually is at refereeing. And Monty's, I was like yeah, watching right. a. Watching a um, you let the a silent oh, like, movie. Hippie. Monty's got his hands up in the air saying, you know, I'm not just the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. And he's just told yes, his referee how bad he was. Oh. Hard case, Monty. You're a good man. You said, you, you said, tell him not to shoot the messenger, but he's the worst referee I've ever seen. And that's why I love that because I smiled and I thought that was a stroke of genius from your part because of like, I was like, hey, don't shoot the messenger. But <laughs> back with a smirk on my face. Oh, that Brilliant. Is... Brilliant, Kippy.
That is so good, Bot. Thanks so much. So we're just, just for context, we're just, we were broadcasting. We're only 50 metres away from probably the northern stand. And Kempi's gone around the corner this morning. He's gone, oh, shit, we're at Carlaw Park. And uh, so that's what we've been asking people for their memories. And it's great. Hey, um, hey, all the best for this with Kev, man. We can't wait to follow along and see what happens. It's early days. I really appreciate you jumping on the show this morning. And shout out to Leo for his support. Because you got, as you said, you guys couldn't be doing it without him. I think this is really exciting for one of the greats in New Zealand sport to go to another level again. And, man. And oh, he just doesn't need to prove anything to every, anyone, Kevin. I guess that's what makes him so amazing, eh? Well, to, to test the waters from himself, you know, and uh, I, think, I think it's going to be great. And, um, you know, he's embracing everything about it. But thank you for your time, Louis. Thank you, Kempe. Yeah, good to talk, Mont. Good to, good to hear you, bud. There you go. Monty Beatham, um, he's working hard with Kevin Mialamu. And you can just hear it when Monty talks about Kevin's attributes. Like, this, this is extremely well thought out. This is guys that understand their strengths, understand their weakness, understand what they need to achieve. And I sense that they know what's coming, but I just think there's probably a little bit of he needed to hold back there about who's going to fight oh, and when, you know. This that, is was, a, that was the question, who, who you got lined up. They know who they got lined up. They just don't want to... Uh, Did he drop the, some clues when he said Liam Messam? Oh, look, I, I think there's, I think the, the end goal, like any, you know, the sporting boxes, the end goal is Paul Gallon. If they can get there before Gal. You know, probably calls and mm. quits would be a good thing. But, um, you know, the one thing about Monty is astute in that boxing game. He knows, you know, he's talking about, you know, the the, the gallon having all those pre, pre-boxing pre matches before the big match, and he's probably wearing himself out. Monty won't do that to Kev. We had um we had Wendell Saylor on the show for a few months ago, and he, and he heard the exact story, but he just said, you know, he used to love New Zealand, he used to love coming out here, but the... The thing that really scared him off was Monty Beatham. <laughs> Mate, no, I was going to tell you right now, no, they, Monty and the NRL had a reputation that no one ever wanted to, like they knew not to go, um, so you knew not to go have Monty Beatham on a football field, eh? And then we went down to Wellington and reared and thought he'd go him in that game against Canterbury. Canterbury, we Warriors play Canterbury down at um, the Caketon. Mm. Well, have you seen the footage of that? I have. And I, it's, and it, and that was that was the 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 superhero of Monty Beatham in action. So everyone knew it. They hadn't seen it, and then they saw it. So Monty went to a different level. It's a line in the sand. After that game, yep. And mate, I've seen him. I've actually been stood right next to him, and seen him throw him, like for real. And yeah, it's that's what I mean. You know, you're standing in the toilet saying, "There's a guy out there waiting, waiting for you." It's Monty. You stay in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you wait till the lights go out before you go home. <laughs> Incredible, great access. It was good to hear him. Uh, it's good to hear him. How fond does he have? Think you know, you guys obviously got such a great relationship, rapport going back years. That yarn about Mate, he he like great captain, like you know, um, just gave his heart, Monty. Mm. You know, and and the story about his dad. You know, everyone knows the story about Monty's dad was was such a good boxer too. You know, yeah. so he's got great pedigree. And a great leader, Monty. He, you know, he's what you see with Monty is what you get. Um, and just he trained like how he trains now was how he used to train back in the day. Struggle to find a you struggle to find a bloke that he hasn't got time for. Eh? He gives everyone the time of day, and I think and that's I was serious about him playing touchdown at Cornwall Park, and he said he's got the young fellas out there. They got this funny old team that the old lads with the young boys, and they teach them how, dummy half moves, and it's just great to see he's chirping away at us. Oh, the ball's so sweaty. Yeah, it's because you're so old, Monty. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> that's it, right. It, it was great stuff, but um, yeah, awesome to have him on the show. All right, we are 22 minutes past nine. Paul Mawai. Day from the TAB coming up after this. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. You are you're listening to SC.
NZ, give me where we're good to go now. You're absolutely fizzing up uh, on the summer breakfast show. I'll tell you who will be fizzing up. And that's the TAB. Time for a TAB live update. Bet live on your favourite sports with the TAB app today. I'll tell you why Paul Moati. Actually, morning, Paul. Yeah, morning, uh, yeah, Louis. Yeah. How are you? There he is. I just thought I'd, I thought I'd bring you in just so the uh, our wonderful listeners of the broadcast can hear the tone of your voice, which is peppy. Why would it be peppy, Paul? <laughs> well, I've got no idea, big guy. I, I, I think it's probably because it's the first time that oh, Monty yeah. Beethan has even has ever been on the undercard to me. This is this is fantastic. <laughs> what what division would you be in? Oh, <laughs> Is there a one after super heavyweight? <laughs> yeah, it's good sumo wrestling. Um, all right, here we go, Paul. Here's here's what's happened here. On Friday, we took we do a racing uh, a multi mega buster with one of your great promotions. It's brilliant promotion. So the gist of it is, I think you'll correct me if I'm wrong. You take four legs. If one leg fails, you get your bon- money back as a bonus, be up to fifty bucks. Correct. Correct. And um, the moral of the story is we've got 50 bucks and a bonus bet left over because one of our legs lost. The, the long story is we took a four-leg multi outfit into Pin Me Up, into Kana, into Altia Lad to return a one listener, I think about five rack, five grand, and Altia Lad has gone down by an absolute lip and you guys have survived and that's why you're peppy, let's be honest. <laughs> That's, that's not in my department, so I've, whether it got up or didn't, no skin off my nose. I was hoping it would get up. Yeah, we all were, to be fair. Not a bad multi. We've had a, we've been close a few times, but I just think we've been on the wrong end of the ledger this year, Paul. Yeah, well, to be fair, you were the boys that stopped Zaki at a dollar twenty. So <laughs> um... I'm glad someone else has taken that title off me. <laughs> Meanwhile, Probabil's won and I haven't had a lick on her. Oh, terrible. Hey, Paul, there's good racing at Pukekohe, though, today, so that'll be fun. Yeah, there is. And I'm just having a look there. I know we've got a $10,000 guaranteed first four on every race at Pukki today and also a $25,000 guaranteed late quaddy at Pukki today. I'm just having a look at a a few of the races here and I I see... uh, and Opie Boss and Jamie Richards uh, in race two here. Time flies, which I think you boys tipped out in the uh, Karaka uh, two-year-old uh, futures. I think at around $12 when you boys tipped uh, Time Flies out. Well, he's now into $7 in that futures market uh, for the Karaka Millions um, in the second line of betting just behind Wolverine. And she has been impressive, to be fair, Wolverine. She's a $3.50 favourite in that futures market for the Kraken Million. Hold on. Talk to me here. Why have you skimmed $5 off the price? It hasn't gone to the races. All it has, it's had its preparation <laughs> delayed. You should be drifting it. Oh, uh, you only they, got yourself That's why they are who they are, mate. <laughs> that's, no, no, we love them. We love them. We love them. But, but, but I, I'm curious there. Is this a question for Thaddeus, is it? You asked, uh, yeah, you can ask Thad, but I'm telling you, you you mentioned something on the radio, and then the money starts to fly. Exactly. <laughs> 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 no, 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 very good to us, Paul, and the TAB.co.nz. We appreciate all your uh, support for the shows, all of them. Um, that is interesting that the $7, I mean, the rap on it's huge. It's come from an extremely astute judge in Chris Rutten. Today it's probably going to win. If it doesn't, then we'll see what the drift ends up at. But um, no, that's good stuff, Paul. And there's some nice chances today. Opie Boston actually rides another one, which I think is pretty curious. 
Mighty Moose in race number seven for Bob and Jenny Vance hasn't been to the races, but it's a local. It'll know the track. It's trialed five times, and its trials have been pretty nice. The Prosser gelding, it's a four-year-old, so they've taken their time with it. Opie Bossin on for uh, Bob and Jenny. Eight, $9 into seven, $2.40 a place. Um, I think you could be doing a wee bit worse than that. So there's some good racing today. Paul, anything else we need to know? Yeah, we've got a bonus back promotion on the two uh, Super Smash games today. The Auckland Hearts up against the Northern Brave and the Auckland Aces up against the Northern Brave. So a bonus back promotion on both the women's and men's uh, Super Smash matches this morning. I think the women's match starts at just after 11 o'clock and we've got a bonus back promotion on the Perth Scorchers, Hobart Hurricanes, Big Bash later on tonight. And of course, the UNFL fans... The Tampa Bay Bucks up against the New Orleans Saints this afternoon. We've got a bonus back promotion on that as well. Get stuck in, boys. Yeah, a great man, Paulie. We'll catch up for you tomorrow. Catch up with you tomorrow morning. Promotions and plan hundreds of sports markets to choose from. Visit tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. We uh, adore their support. And there's a text here. Dave from Nelson. Thanks to Bears, Izzy, and the team for their picks on Friday. Took a four-leg $5 multi to return $193. Merry Xmas, fellas. Dave from Nelson. You must have had Altier Lad to place. Which is exactly what we Smart, man. should have done. Appreciate your listening. Hey, um, Kevin Mialamu, we caught up with him earlier in the year. We're going to hear from that a bit of that interview before the end of the show. We've got our choices flooring poll to get through. Last half hour in the final furlong, we could stay all day. Absolutely loving it on the summer breakfast. Here's the news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Welcome into the summer breakfast. Tony Kemp and Louis Herman Watt all week here leading you into Christmas, which is, as we all know, Boxing Day Eve. Jason on double eight double three has made my day. Artie allowed to place in the multi was the best mistake I made all week. $10 multi, 500 bucks. Bring on Boxing Day races. Wowee. That is amazing, Jason. Congratulations, mate. How good did Outfoot look just quietly? Karner as well can gallop. Pin me up. That's some good tipping from Pip. And Izzy, to be fair, Altier Laddie tipped it at eight bucks when it at the time. Well found for a very close second, brother. So congratulations, uh, Jason. Love hearing from you. That's some smart punting there on the place, Kimpy. Made it fifty to one. Mate, next time throw fifty bucks on it. Make it really exciting, Jason. <laughs> well, he's got. 10 times that now. What sort of punter are you? Place punter? Uh, yeah, I'm sort of, yeah, not a, not a very good one, put it that way. Um, yeah, well, I don't, I don't really him, back him. him line, if, if, my horse is, if my horse is running, I don't back him. You so, can stop it. Yeah, that's right. And um, I don't mind a punt, but yeah, I used to love having a punt when I was a, a footballer, um, but these days I'm more of a, a follower and and listening to the experts pick, send, me a, send me a pick, so... I'll try and tune this show out from time to time. Uh, of course, keep it on, but just put your earplugs in. <laughs> the Choices Flooring Broomview program takes the guesswork out of choosing flooring. Upload your favourite floor today. Choices Flooring poll time, lads. Uh, we asked who and what was the statement of the weekend. I thought this was an interesting question to ask because lots of different sport was going on and there's lots of different ways to approach this one. So Baznizzi for breakfast is on Twitter. That's where we sent you. Or to text double eight double three. Who made the biggest statement over the weekend? And just as we suspected, Kempi, 
Joseph Parker takes the cake ahead of Jamie Richards, Kevin Mialamu, and poor Coventina Bay. She wasn't stone cold last in the weekend, but she is here. Mm. But Joseph Parker, with a shade over 70% of the votes, made the biggest statement. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does make a, a hell of a lot of sense, too. And he'd wake up he'd, you know, wake up today, but saw Joe Parker. See him sharing a hamburger with Chisora last night in one of his um, social media posts. And, you know, he'd have a big smile on his face. He's, you know, been away from the whanau got the job done, looking at the next paycheck, you know, things are looking very bright in the Joe Parker camp. I, th- I think you've got to give some, pay some homage too to, to Fury, the trainer, you know. Watching, Andy Lee. Well, what, watching him sit down there, Andy Lee, and, and talking to him and stuff like that, um, just that I whole agree. that whole ch- change of dynamic, I think, has really helped Joseph out. We had him on the show, and he was sensational. He's so polished. He's such a kind of – he's one of those guys that when you interview, they say your name back, and you've met them before, but mm. yes, Baz, or hi, is he? Or, you know, like he was polished. He brings a level of professionalism. Not that we're – and, you know, you've got to be careful with this. You go, I want to make it clear. Kevin Barry, Taylor Barry, what they, their program that KB was running was perfectly fine. The success that him and Joseph had together – immense mm. one of our sporting greats already when he left but there's time for change for everyone and joseph needed to go to another level and andy lee looks like he's pushed a button in him oh i, I totally agree i think i think what lee's done is he started to give him some absolute belief and told him get off get off your back foot and jump on your front foot and start taking the fight on you know so i saw that yesterday and joseph and i think you saw a more mature boxer yesterday Yep, bang on. All right. Uh, as I said, Kevin Mialamu, he joined us earlier in the year. He's embarking on his boxing journey. He was in the Choices Flooring poll. And when he spoke to us, he actually told us he'd been in the ring a lot. And he kind of dropped a couple of hints. So we're going to listen back to that after this. There's another text here regarding Carlaw Park. One was when Joe Wagner broke Stacey Jones's arm at Carlaw Park. Shane from Auckland. Yeah, well, the, the, back in the old days, you used to play trial matches up here, you know, with, with, before the 1988 World Cup, we played three games. It was a possible probables game um, that used to play to, you know, the likes of Mark Graham and Kurt Sorensen were running around in those games, you know, and you were up and coming playing in them. Um, and that game that Stace broke his arm was actually a trial match before a tour. So they lost their best player before they even left the country. Um, and like I said to you, mate, you wouldn't want Joe Vargan to run into any part of your body. He's, he's, he's a big, big man. Absolutely not. All right, here we go. Tony Kemp, Lou him what on your summer breakfast? We're whipping at home strong. Kevin Mialamu, a bit of a catch-up from a few months ago. Up after this. Yeah, we're 16 minutes away from 10. Then Stephen McIver takes over with an excellent broadcast through till 2 p.m. And then the lads in the evening, Ricardo and Beaver. As I mentioned, Kevin Mialamu embarking on a new journey in the boxing ring while we caught up with him back in September. And he told us what he was up to. Him and Izzy share an amazing rapport. So it was great to sit back and listen. Here's a clip of that interview now. Great pleasure to welcome in a man who I've, I've had the privilege to share the field with on many occasions. A man that was so uncompromising on the field, but off the field had the mana and the respect of those that were in his presence. He played 132 tests and over 370 first-class games, a career spanning over 16 years of professional rugby. He's now spending time with his beautiful family while running a gym called Fit, Fit 60 Southside, which I know is a real game changer within this community. Thanks for joining us, brother. Kevin Mialami, how are you, bro? Morning, Izzy. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, I'm good, mate. Thanks for joining us. Got Baz McCullum here with me, mate. Um, how you doing during this lockdown, mate? Um, it's, um, you know, I, I, we, I'm actually enjoying you know, the family time. has been really good. Um, yeah. But I think uh, you know, for for most uh, people uh, running small business as well, it's um, 
there's a few yeah. challenges, but um, but everyone's trying to do their bit to make sure we, we do our bit for, for, our, for our country, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure, mate. And, and obviously the gym's shut down, mate. So how are you filling in your days? I know you've got a young, well, you know, they're teenagers now, the kids. So how are you keeping them busy? <laughs> yeah, so, um, well, um, you know, uh, and everyone's, everyone's trying to stay agile uh, with small businesses as well. So we've, we're online uh, twice a day, which is which is good, trying to keep um, people yeah. moving and keep people engaged. But um, the family time's been good. The kids are growing up, you know, um, so, uh, you know, give them a, getting a chance to spend a bit of time with them as they, uh, as they get older. These are probably, probably the moments you, you cherish as well. So, you know, we just we make the most of this time together and, um, you know, trying to, trying to keep in contact with everyone as well. Nice, bro. Hey, Kevin Baz here. Hey, I was just wondering, so you've now set up this, this business and, and you're fully into it. Was that always the plan right throughout your your rugby career that you you wanted to head down this route when you finished playing? Hey, Baz, um, you know, I, was, I think, um, you know, I was probably in a, in a lucky position um, for me when I finished playing rugby. I, I sort of had a, a day where, where I knew I was going to finish. And um, I think having that day um, gave me a chance to sort of look a bit, look, look ahead and say, um, well, if, if I know this is the day I'm going to finish, and I've got to put some time into um, understanding what what am I what am I going to be doing when I finish as well. So, you know, we um, we were lucky enough to set up the gym a, a couple of years before I uh, finished, and um, you know, um, was able to walk walk straight into it uh, once I once I finished playing rugby as well. So, still, um, you know, we're six years into it, and. Um, uh, a lot of learnings along the way, but um, you know, being able to being able to do some really good things in that space, and um, really really lucky to be able to do with some good people as well. Yeah, do you want to just explain to us a little bit more as well, if you can, Kevin, about um, some of those good things that you are doing? Izzy explained to me that you're working with a lot of the the South Auckland um, community and and trying to give give people a real good opportunity to work on their fitness and things. It must be so fulfilling to be doing that work. Yes, and uh, you know, uh, you know, we, we live out south, and our, and our business is uh, is out south as well, and it's in our same community that we live in as well. So, I think just getting a chance to um, get some, you know, that's put some real good purpose behind uh, the business that we work in, and it's about getting getting people moving, and um, you know, it's, it's it's like a you you when you when you build a a group training um, gym like this, it's it's like a it's a it's a hub for people to come together, not only work on their fitness, but there's a there's a real good social side to it as well. Um, you, you can feel it when you're there as well. That when when people uh, are there training, they're enjoying themselves, having a lot of fun as well. And uh, I think the the outcome of it as well is that they that they they're looking after themselves uh, physically as well. Oh, awesome! Hey, we're talking to Kevin Mialamu. Give us a text if your with your greatest memories of the great man that is Kevin Mialamu. Give us a text on double eight double three absolute champion. I know there'll be a few messages coming about that critical moment in that Blizzard Cup, Kevy, but we won't talk about that when you got the knuckles flying. But uh, anyway, we'll move on from <laughs> <on> that, my <laughs> brother. Hey, <laughs> um, I know you're doing a. I know you're doing a lot of things, uh, a lot of things in the community for men's health and mental health as well. Men's carry crew, 
Is that something that you're really passionate about and, and has to be spoken about a bit more out, out in the public? Yes, I think, um, you know, especially when I think about um, what we're doing um, currently, like, we're, you know, we're going through COVID. You know, for some people, it's, um, they're able to, um, they've got some good people around them in, in times like this. But, um, you know, for a lot of us uh, and, for, and for a lot of our men as well, uh, just being able to open up and um, being able to share the load. You know, our, what our, our focus behind this carry crew was being able to get uh, men together, um, doing some um, physical activity, which was being able to go go for a walk together with with other men as well. And um, and we'll be carrying some canteens or and, and backpacks and some objects, but uh, with the thought behind it that, uh, you know, when the load gets too heavy, just being able to share that with other people as well. So um good way of um, not only getting men moving, but also um, learning that uh, you're not alone. You're, there's people there to help mm. and trying to build trying to build that sort of uh, support network around men as well. So um, I think, you know, it is important. Um, we, all, we all struggle at some, at some stage. And I think when people... Think about uh, your well-being or your mental health. It's not always, it's not always uh, all the way, which is total desperation. Uh, sometimes it's just uh, having someone or people there uh, that you can lean on just when you're going through uh, things. So you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's that was the main um, focus around it. Just trying to get trying to get men moving and uh, just trying to build a, a support network around around men as well. That's awesome. Love what you're about, mate. Just just one last question on, on the mental health. Um, just for some blokes or, or, or anyone who's out there that, that's struggling or going through that, their own struggles at the moment, would you have any advice for them? Um, there's, there's a lot of help out there. And um, I think, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, people and uh, people like myself that are advocating for this and we're not specialists. Yeah, especially, there's definitely there's mm. a lot of uh, specialist help out there. Um, but, you know, but we're here to we're here to help. Sometimes it's just about having a, a, an ear that you can uh, for, for people to be able to share with. So, yes, uh, we're, we're lucky, especially in the sport that we've, we've come from as, as well, uh, being being able to have um, that sort of help uh, around us and that sort of support. But yeah. um, there's a lot of help around. So um, um, it's as easy. It's uh, being able to being able to look at look at uh, look look it up and if and if that's hard as well, just coming through to us, uh, we, we can uh, help direct you to the right people as well. Fairs and Izzy. Yeah, welcome back in. That's uh, Kevin Mialamu talking a while back with uh, in September with Izzy Dag about what he's up to at the moment. He's a oh man, just what a great community member, a man for his people, represents all sorts. And it's not it's not a surprise to me to see that he's going all in on this boxing journey because he's a man with immense mana and great ticker. All right, we're going to be back very soon to wrap this up and hear what Stephen McIver's got between 10 and 2 on the summer breakfast. It'll be summer days coming up shortly.